The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. NCAA tournament extravaganza with my Wise Guy Roundtable. And it's a jumbo one. To my right, the better, Steve Fezzik. In front of me, the college expert, Brad Powers. To my left, making his return. We'll see if it's triumphant. Matty Holt, CG Technology. He's the bookmaker. I'm RJ Bell. Guys, this baby is such an extravaganza. It's simple. We're going to give you a handicap on every first round game. Taping here Tuesday night at the pregame.com offices in Las Vegas. And we're doing every one. We're going to have four best bets from the three boys and Dave Esler. If you've listened before, you know how good Esler is. And he's got five likes and one best bet. So six different inputs from Esler. And with everyone else, we're going to get their take on every game. Can't be simpler. Couldn't be more exciting. Showtime! Before, oh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start and do Friday's card first. So if you're listening early, as you should be, it's easy. Listen through, you're going to get all the games. But if you're listening later, that's a mistake. But we're going to try to help you redeem yourself from that mistake by going Friday first if the Thursday games are gone. But within the days, we are going rotation order. First game, Virginia versus MD Baltimore County. Brad Powers. Well, I'll take the lead here on UMBC, Maryland, Baltimore County. Lean on UMBC plus the 22 for me. Reason being is Virginia dead last in tempo in the entire country. So it's tough to get a extended margin when you're not, you know, obviously pushing the ball up and down the floor, especially when you're dealing with a total in the one twenties here. So you're laying plus you're laying more than 20 points total in the one twenties. UMBC is going to slow it down as well. Lean on UMBC plus the 22. So Brad, one of the things we'll want to do throughout each of these games is get your power ratings as the starting point in the handicap. Uh, So it won't be every game. We'll talk about it first, but somewhere within the handicap, we'll talk about the simple math on your power ratings and it's a good starting point. Right. And we actually tweeted out and boy, this is you said over thirteen hundred likes now, Brad. Thirteen hundred likes on a tweet at RJ in Vegas in which we have Brad really anchored this. And then we had Fezzik make a few adjustments, few other adjustments. But it's pretty much Brad's power ratings rounded to the half point because I don't have Brad's ego. Brad thinks he can do it to the hundredth of a point. I'm just looking for the half (laughs) point. That's enough for me. But boy, did people like this? And guys, you should check it out if you haven't, because think of the concept is after the first round, first round, you just look at the spread and right? go to preamble.com, hit game center, see the spread. And then you can know, oh, if I'm picking this team, oh, look, this team's a 10 seed and they're favored. Well, yeah, you're going to want to go with that team most likely unless you think the line is really wrong, because a lot of bracket pickers wouldn't be going with that team. Vegas says they're supposed to win. I'd like to have Vegas as my partner. Right? When I'm picking brackets, why not? So to me, 
it's great in the first round. What do you do after that, though? Well, with Brad's power ratings, you can do the simple math, the difference between the teams that match up in your bracket, whoever you have advanced for the first round, and it will say, oh, Vegas would have this team favored by three. Doesn't mean you have to bet uh, pick that team. At least you should know, though, you're bucking Vegas. And ton, ton of utility for those filling out their brackets. Brad, in this game, what's the line? Believe it or not, it's the strongest power ratings play, or at least the biggest disparity. So the, your code is your, your number's wrong somewhere. It's wrong. <laughs> okay. On this particular game, it's wrong because it says Virginia by 28. Here's the weakness in 28. my... 28. 28. Okay, no other game is more than three points. All right, so remember, Fez, this is interesting because you talk about this a lot in your power ratings. In football, once you get above seven... Is anything above that? So let's just say the Browns versus the Patriots and the math says, okay, it's going to be 17 on a neutral, let's say. Fez, your approach is if it's after you get above a touchdown in the difference, what do you do? You have to go ahead and assume about half of the difference. So if your power ratings say the number should be 11, the the line I would set is more closer to nine. Okay, but when you say half of the difference... Above seven. Okay, so what you're saying is if the line is 17... Right, or if the power ratings is 17, you're going to say, all right, you get the first seven with no discount, and then the next 10, you only take five, and you make the line 12? Approximately, yes. Okay. So in basketball, where would we think that break point is? I mean, my gut feeling is in basketball, maybe right around 10? That sounds about right. I'd go 14. 14. All right. So in this case, Brad, everything above 14, which would be 14 because you said 28, yep. cut it in half is seven, it goes to 21. And the line's 22. So there might be something there. And a further adjustment, the total, as Brad mentioned, 121 and a half. Lowest total on the board. Every other total is at least 129. The average is just a little under 150. So we've got it. Scoring is only going to be 80% of a normal game. And because of that, whatever the power ratings say the spread should be, we need to multiply by 0.8 to normalize for the total. All right, so what we'll do, Brad, in, in the handful of games that are above 14, just give us the basic arithmetic. We'll make the quick adjustment. Absolutely. And one more key on this game, RJ, and I do this every Thursday night and Friday night. The public takes a hold of the lines. They bet more than the wise guys. So I look at the one or two teams that the public's going to bet on on the late game on Thursday night and Friday night. And there's only one game the public's going to love Friday night. They're going to bet Virginia. So if you bet the underdog, I would think you're going to get your best number right before tip-off. Okay, so the theory is NCAA tournament has the most public action of any college basketball throughout the year, and certain games are going to get more public action because of when they're being played, and certain teams are going to get more public action, and obviously the number one team in the country versus a team, you got to wonder if it's a joke from The Wire or something, you know, like Stringer somehow fixed the game at MD Baltimore County. So <laughs> not a lot of people are anxious to bet MD Baltimore County. Thus, it's a situation where the public's going to be even more biased than usual. But listen, we've got literally the biggest bookmaker in Las Vegas, Maddie Holt, sitting right here, VP at CG Technology. Maddie, typical round one. Thursday, Friday action, at the end of the day, what percentage in dollars, obviously an estimate, of your betting is sharp versus recreational? 75-25 recreational. Wowza. Typical February, Tuesday night. So just the middle of the winter, Tuesday night in February, what's the split? 60-40 sharp. 
There's four, but even on a February, there's forty percent recreational. Yeah, be, yeah, because it's Vegas, and you have so many people passing through the casinos. Now, I would Fez, I would think though, at a typical online book, you know, book X Y Z would be about the same, right? Because obviously, there's a lot of recreational people that have their accounts. Yeah, I still would think there'd be plenty of recreational money. Okay, so uh, so what we're saying is sixty forty. With the sharps being the majority in in a, in a random February night, seventy five twenty five the other way with the recreational, and thus the biases matter. All right, Maddie, what's your take on this game? Yeah, you know, I, I like the points here with UMBC. Interestingly enough, we have a prop up at uh, CG Technology over under lowest amount of points scored by any team in the entire NCAA tournament, 48 and a half. And this is one of those games there where if Virginia was going to cover the spread and the total stay under, then all of a sudden this under 48 and a half would have to get there. So, you know, if, if you actually like Virginia in this game, you may want to take a shot at the under on that prop because you only have to lay 110 and you get a whole bunch of other shots at it. Um, and the other thing to me is, too, Virginia is probably going to be a little bit tentative here. They just lost their best player off the bench, a guy who plays a ton of minutes. This is a one verse 16 game. So they're going to be more likely to probably call off the dogs in the second half than they would be under a normal situation. Okay, let me put out a because we're going to be talking about each game, but we also want to talk about concepts, macro big picture concepts. Let me share one and see if the the wise guy roundtable agrees i'm more inclined all things equal to lay the lumber let's say over double digits and beyond to lay the lumber if it's the second game of the weekend because the theory is first game virginia they win this baby they turn around within 48 hours you got what you know four plus days more than double otherwise if it's saturday to thursday or whatever so the idea of, hey, let's stretch your legs a little bit. We're not as worried about fatigue. Even slow. Maybe it's you keep your starters in, but you slow the game down. If it's the first game, you guys agree. What kind of factor would you say that is? I think it's a good handicap worth about a point that you don't want to be laying those points in that opening round versus the second round. Does anyone disagree? I do not disagree. No, I don't. All right. Any closing? So I I heard clearly from Maddie he likes... MD Baltimore County. Does anyone else have uh, just to recap a lean, a light, like wh- let's just go around. Let's be very explicit about our leans and likes, Brad lean UMBC plus the points lean to the underdog Going to bet it two minutes before it tips off late bet is the recommendation. Next game. We have Kansas state Creighton and we have Creighton favored by three Brad. Yeah, the money's come in on Kansas State, and I like Kansas State here, plus the one and a half is the latest line I saw. Brown and Wade, two guys have been banged up for Kansas State, are probable here fully healthy. So, so just to be clear, though, so my line, these are the openers, Faz, you gave yeah, me? Yes. And this so when is, you said none of them changed, but that changed by four points. <laughs> no, one and Not, a half. It moved one, one and a half. half. Plus one and a half. And that's Kansas about State. the most significant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, one, but you didn't figure out it was worth scribbling that one and a half. The, the, in, well, hindsight, that would have been wise. But I think that's the only one we've had that's moved more than a point, RJ. <laughs> All right. So it is, it's like RJ says, well, we have Creighton minus three. Brad's like, well, actually, Creighton's one and a half. It's a, hmm, okay, maybe I should, I, go ahead. Yeah. And second reason for me, Creighton has really struggled without their big man. Last 10 games, two and eight against the number. 
pure power rating says the line's close to right. One and a half, two points as far as the power rating's difference. But I think the hidden value, obviously, is Kansas State not being fully healthy the last five or six games. Now they are value Kansas State. I like the Wildcats plus one and a half. I also like the travel aspect that Kansas State got to play their conference tournament in the state of Kansas, whereas a whole lot of travel for Creighton here, their last game of the year, regular season, was at Marquette. Then they had to go to New York City to play that tournament. Now they got to travel again to Charlotte. That's I know they only played one game in their tournament, but um, this is a team that might be a little weary from all the travel. Yeah, I think they've had plenty of time off here. And it, this is where I respectfully disagree a little bit here. First of all, the best player in this game and players matter in these kind of games is Marcus Foster for Creighton. That's undoubtable. And the second thing I don't understand is we automatically assume that a guy in Dean Wade who uh, got knocked out of the game against uh, was a Texas Tech and then didn't play the Kansas game is 100% healthy one game later. I doubt he's 100% healthy he's going to play. The other guard, Barry Brown, who's a really significant player, is going to play with a big, huge mouse on his eye, right? So uh, the guy should probably be wearing a patch the, the last time I saw his eye was so bad. So they're not really 100%. They're just expected to play in this game. And those two guys are really, really important to this team. And the problem here for... Kansas State is they need to crash the glass in this game because Creighton's one of the worst offensive rebounding teams that there is. But when you look at this, there's a lot of advantages for Creighton. They average almost four more assists per game here. They share the basketball. The best player on the court belongs to Creighton and Marcus Foster. I think this game's really close. I think Kansas State's gaining a little bit too much steam here, and I'd probably go with the Creighton Blue Jays. Wow. He's bringing the game, guys. He's bringing the game. Now, I'm going to double up because this is one of Dave Asler, pregame pro, by the way, gave us the, um, what was that win? Oh, Davidson. He had Davidson to win that tournament. Yep. Gave right here on the Dream Preview. And, man, I'll give you credit. People talk about Twitter and all the negativity, and there's some truth to that. But, like, a dozen-plus people, like, a lot of them said, who was that guy that had Davidson? Well, it's Dave Asler. On Twitter, at Dave underscore E-S-S-L-E-R. Dave underscore Esler. And he has one of his six strongest opinions on this game. Kansas State and Creighton. Creighton opened minus two, and right now it's a fairly weak minus two, one and a half in a lot of places. And and to me, the way I've had a lot of these games is not necessarily on a particular team, but against a particular team. And this is a bet. Obviously, it's on Kansas State, but it's more based against Creighton. Creighton in the Big East is is not the conference that the Big Twelve is. You got the fourth place team in each conference. That would that would tell me that Kansas State's a better team. But Creighton's only good road, only good win at all, uh, really was at home in overtime uh, over Villanova. Uh, and for me, a lot of these games are about matchups, and I think this is a bad matchup for Creighton. The teams that beat Creighton. Uh, would include Baylor, Gonzaga, Providence twice, Butler. They're all very physical teams, and that's exactly what Kansas State is. Creighton plays a similar style to Oklahoma, uh, who Kansas State drubbed by 18 points. Creighton's wins not in Omaha, St. John's, DePaul, Georgetown. Uh, none of those teams as good as K-State. Creighton's going to shoot threes. Kansas State's got the second-best three-point defense in the conference. Uh, you guys know I love turnovers and free throws. The K-State defense created more turnovers than anyone in the Big 12, and K-State gets to the free throw line an awful lot. I think that Rhode Island brings in some experience that Creighton might not have in these situations. K-State has the best player on the court. 
Uh, Dean Wade will be back. Uh, that loss against Kansas in the Big 12 game was very predictable without Wade, Barry Browns, and they're both going to be back. So, you know, I, I really think that Kansas State wins that game. Okay, Maddie. So, as you know, being a veteran of the Dream Preview, we're not afraid to disagree. So sure. What part do you disagree the most with Ashler? He can't defend himself, so go at it. Uh, you know, th- this has just become one of those things that's a style of play thing, and everyone assumes that the Big 12 Conference is so much better, but Oklahoma shouldn't have been in the tournament, uh, and you can make a case for some of these teams. Look, Kansas lost at home to Arizona State. I don't know that the Big... I think the Big 12 is, has a lot of parity, and it's really close, but I don't know that it's as good as everyone's making it out to be, um, considering that Kansas is probably the weakest number one seed, and what's the second team out of the Big 12? I mean, West Virginia is a four. They got a lot of teams in. They don't have a lot of teams that are very likely to win this thing. So I'm not sure that big 12 is as strong as people think, you know, Texas Tech's a three. No one's really given them a ton of credit is a three. Um, I do like this team. I think they're well coached. I like Barry Brown. I like Dean Wade, but neither one of them is a hundred percent. I like the way Creighton's playing. And if Marcus Foster gets hot, he is the best player on the court. I, I could see Creighton winning this game. They're well coached. They don't turn the basketball over. Okay, Maddie. So, Thank you. And Brad, question is, now you've heard both sides, anything that you've heard that makes you lean a little differently? And maybe if it doesn't even change your net opinion, what did you hear? Because we've heard a lot of stuff on this game that was noteworthy that you hadn't been thinking of much. Yeah, well, Marcus Foster kind of rang a bell in my head. Marcus Foster actually used to play for Kansas State. He's Creighton's best player. So there's any player that has a bit of an axe to grind in this game. It's Marcus Foster. used to play for the the Wildcats just two years ago. Now, is that the way to think of it? Or is it that the K-State staff's going to know this player very that's well? A, and how to there's stop two him. sides to, ever, to <laughs> each way of thinking. That's why it's more of an art. All right. Next game. Providence, Texas A&M. If Fezzik's correct, the line is <laughs> A&M favored by three and a half. All right. Doesn't look like anyone has a strong opinion. Fez, let's start with you on this one. Well, I'm a little worried about Providence, their energy level. They had to play three overtime games, all in their conference tourney, and kind of a heartbreaking loss in overtime to Villanova. So because of that, I'm going to lean to the Texas A&M squad that um, is a lot healthier than they were during the middle of the year. So in straight out of Vegas... Straight out of Vegas, Fridays at 11 p.m. to midnight. Saturday starts an hour earlier, 10 to midnight. That's Pacific time on Fox National Radio, 330 stations, coast to coast. We were talking about that Villanova Providence and how tired Providence was and how it really was gutsy. They were down by five or so. Providence, with five minutes left, came back to tie that game as fatigued as they were. How, Brad, do you handicap the fatigue factor for Providence in this game against AM? Well, I think it's much more beneficial as a Friday game instead of a Thursday game. It'd be much more part of my handicap if it was Thursday. They're traveling again, Providence. I'm going to lean with Providence, so plus the points, because Texas A&M has just been madly inconsistent. Fez mentioned, yes, they were missing three starters, Texas A&M. They went one and five in those six games that they were missing three starters. Came back, they were playing well, but then they suffered like a three, four game losing streak. They just can't play at a consistent level. Sometimes they play like a top five team. Other times Texas A&M, I mean, not even a top 50 or 60 team. What I've seen from Providence, at least the last three, four games, at least their trend line is consistent. And if they can play with Xavier and Villanova, they certainly can play with 
A&M here. Lean with Providence plus the three and a half. Boy, these were two of my favorite teams in the preseason when I was looking at teams that 50 to one or greater to potentially play in futures. Texas A&M hasn't just had a bunch of injuries. They've had a bunch of suspensions. They had to kick their starting point guard off the team for disciplinary reasons. So I don't love the fact that they've lost two guards for the season in Texas A&M. Thus, they turn the ball over a little too much. They don't have the best ball handling at the end of the game. But boy, that front court is so unbelievable. They're so tough to deal with. Tyler Davis is a beast on the offensive and defensive glass. But I just think coaching advantage, Ed Cooley, what a job he's done. And on the other side, look, Providence had to deal with a major injury in Emmett Holt. Imagine if Emmett Holt was there all year uh, for, for the Providence Friars. And I'm not just saying that because his last name's Holt, but he was probably the best all-around glue, glue guy for Providence. This game is one of the hardest ones for me, and I have to pass. I liked both teams prior to the season. They both endured injuries that probably, had they have not had have endured, they would be seated better than they are. I just don't know what to make of this game. And remember, I mean, this is going to be the caution we say anytime it's such a popular time of the year to bet, don't you can't bet every game to win. This is a fact. We can talk here about art. This is science. To win long-term the line has to be wrong. If the line is supposed to be four, when I say supposed to, meaning if this game were played a million times and half the time team A covers, half the time team B covers, let's say the line is supposed to be four. That line's got to be, Fez, correct me if I'm wrong, either five and a half or two and a half. And if it's not, if it's somewhere in between, thus closer to the real number, you can't overcome the minus 110. You know, actually, RJ... This time of year, these lines are so tight, a half a point is worth 10 cents. So if you lay minus the dollar 10 and you spot a line that's off by half a point, you don't have an advantage, but you don't have a disadvantage. So you really only need a one point differential to have a very good bet. So, you know, what I'm going to do, because I've committed not to get off on any, uh, one of the beautiful things about the dream preview is we'll go off 10, 20 minutes talking about whatever we have way too many topics to do that today. So 30 seconds, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to let you answer, and then I'm going to move on. You're saying the lines are tighter. So let's define what that means. A tighter line implies in the long run, more games are going to fall closer to the number, that the distribution of results is going to be tighter. And thus, if the distribution of results is tighter, you're saying it's going to fall, let's say, let's say the line's five, you think it should be five and a half. You're saying it's going to fall five more often and thus five and a half has more value plus five and a half than it would typically. Exactly right. So just to summarize, Uh, uh, go ahead. I mean, if you can get one, any line that's off by a point, you have the advantage as the better, even though you're laying minus a dollar 10 because of what you just said, it's so likely it's going to land right on that number or within one of that number this time of year. Does that allow for, and anyone jump in here, does that allow for teasers? Because the catch-22 that people don't often, or the paradox that people don't often realize is as the lines get tighter and tighter, the bookmakers you would think are celebrating that they're so good at what they're doing. But the flip side is teasers become more valuable in the NFL specifically because, hey, if all those results are bunching around the spread, getting six or seven points becomes even more valuable. I know intrinsically pro sports have tighter lines. So thus NFL teasers are better than college. And we know the teasers in basketball aren't as intrinsically as good. Are they good in the tournament? No, because 
you only get four points instead of six points. However, RJ, a wise guy betting secret, there's still some books that let you buy two or three points. And so if you can buy three points for 60 cents, instead of betting a plus five, lay a dollar 10, you bet plus eight and lay a dollar 70. Wise guys love that option. You're basically engineering a, a mini teaser. Interesting. The only thing I'll say, and then we're going to move on here, and it's very important to realize this, no better, Billy Walters in his prime, whomever knows if it lines off by either a half a point or a point. You just can't. That's why the Kelly criterion, which is bankroll management theory, is perfect a full Kelly in any bet where you know the odds. So Fez, if you tell if you got drunk on two white wines, let's say, and you said glasses of white wine. Theoretically. <laughs> and you said, okay, let's flip a coin a thousand times. It's a fair coin, but you'll pay me a buck and a penny. I pay you a buck every time, or let's say a thousand dollars and a dollar versus a thousand only, because you want to show, you know, Matt doesn't always win because I'm drunk. Well, I could do the Kelly criterion analysis and know exactly how much I'd ideally bet based on my bankroll because my edge is exactly defined. You agree with that, correct? I do. No one, yourself included, even though, now listen, here's what we know about you. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the world. Even so, Faz, you can't tell if this line's off by a half a point or a point, any given line. Yeah, no better can. And because of that, many experts recommend instead of betting Kelly, where you mathematically, like in a blackjack game, you know your exact edge. It's half Kelly. Half Kelly. Okay, saying we have more uncertainty. So, guys, as much as Fez is right that the lines are tighter in March Madness, don't let that be a ticket to say, oh, I think this line should be five and a half. It's five. I'm going to bat. No. Wait until you feel pretty confident. That's the trick. All right. Let's see here. It, so it seems like, does anyone even have a like on this one? Or is it just leans? No likes. Likes for me. All right. Next game. We got North Carolina favored by 18 and a half on the opener. I like the over here, over 160 and a half. And reason being, Lipscomb really likes to push the tempo. Number five in the country in pushing the tempo. So they're going to get out and run. And let me ask you, Fez. Many of these smaller conferences, the conference championship games, flew way under the total. What happened in that Florida Gulf Coast Lipscomb game? Was that one that flew under the total, Fez? Went over 200 points. A little bit of an aberration because Lipscomb got up by 30 at halftime. So Florida Gulf Coast had to press them the whole second half. But here's a Lipscomb team that loves to go ahead and play at a fast pace. This is the opposite of the Virginia game. Remember we said, oh, we don't want to lay 22 with Virginia. I think you could lay 19 with North Carolina here because this total is 161. And I've seen this movie many times. The bad team that just won their conference tourney makes the NCAAs in a high-scoring game. They roll the ball out. Let's do what we did earlier, and they get killed by the more athletic team. Yeah, and another reason I like the over here is obviously that plays in North Carolina's hands. If there's any Power 5 conference team that wants to run, it's North Carolina. Not afraid to run. That's just their style. But I will agree, also lean towards me on North Carolina. You think North Carolina is one of the more public teams? NCAA tournament, there's been no one better as far as against the spread. Last 33 games for North Carolina, 22-11 and 11 against the number in the NCAA tournament. I actually like Lipscomb here, and I bet Lipscomb to win 
the Atlantic Sun tournament. I bet him in the championship game against Florida Gulf Coast, and I made a commitment right then. I was going to bet him in the first game, no matter who they played here. So I'm not backing down to that now. I'm taking the 19 and a half. By the way, you're going to go over 161 and a half because there are no more 160 and a half, and they've been gone for a long time. So we're going to go over 161 and a half. Uh, but I like Lipscomb in here, and I just feel like you know, I, the one thing I do like about some of these teams is if you're a good team in your conference, Lipscomb was. They were the second best team behind Florida Gulf Coast. They weren't some come-out-of-nowhere team, and they have three or four seniors on the team. Then you get that last-ditch effort from this is it for us. Let's go out on a big time. Give it everything we got. There is no next year. There is no tomorrow. I think you're going to get that level of effort from Lipscomb, and it's a big number. They don't actually have to have this game really close to cover 19 and a half. This game is in Charlotte, so <laughs> remember we talked about how the big favorite oftentimes lets up in the final five minutes. That's not something I typically see from North Carolina teams in general. Duke goes ahead and calls off the dogs, not North Carolina. I don't see it happening in basically a home game here. All right, a couple questions. First to you, Matty Holt, the bookmaker, is... It seems to me if someone is dominant at something, so let's say North Carolina is dominant at a fast pace because they're one of the best teams in the country, you know, maybe second tier here as a not top five team, but right up there. And it's it's almost like Mike Tyson in his prime. Did you want a guy that's going to be a scientific counterpuncher? Yes. Did you want a guy that was going to try to brawl with them? No, you don't brawl with Mike Tyson. Well, it would seem to me you don't run with North Carolina. Are you worried that the matchup here where even though Lipson, Lip, how do you even Lipscomb. say Lips, Lipscomb is going to be, is, is probably better than people think. Does this matchup bother you? I mean, stylistically, the theory behind it makes sense. And I do think Lipscomb has gotten a little bit, uh, you know, rap of, of being a more high scoring team because of the championship game against Florida Gulf Coast that a lot of people watch. Their pace of play is high. But, but it's not as erratic as you might think. Certainly the matchup favors North Carolina in every single way, but that's a lot of points. And I do think this team is a little bit underrated and underappreciated here. And I think these guys are going to try to go out on a high note. This is the first time they've ever been in the tournament, but you go in there with a really veteran group. So I think they're going to try to make that last hurrah a good one. Okay, let's talk macro concept for a second. To me, if you've got one and done diaper dandies, that are lottery picks, that's going to be better than anything. A Kentucky when they're rolling, a Duke when they're rolling now, obviously they've changed recently. But if you have, let's say, B-level talent, I so much would prefer a bunch of juniors and seniors that are B-level talent than a young team that's B-level talent. You So it's always paradoxical. Do you want a young, super great team or super talented team or an older, less talented team? To me, that is close to a coin toss, and you got to look at the specific situation. But if you're not one of the best teams in the country and you're young, boy, I like these more uh, veteran-laden teams. Do, does everyone agree? I agree. Yeah. Okay. Last thing, Dave Essler, who did an amazing Amazing thread. All 68 teams, he wrote between one and two paragraphs about each from a Vegas perspective. 100% free. Just got a uh, my tweet on it. There's a link on it up on my Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. And what I'm going to do is drop a little bit of what he wrote when we talk about some of these games. And one of the things he wrote about is that 
Lips come <laughs> had a very good road pedigree this year that for a team that, you know, obviously isn't a power conference power team. They actually went on the road and didn't play bad, badly in some tough spots. So these tournament games are road games. So let me ask you guys in general and Maddie, let's start with you. Tournament games are road games. So a handful of them, there's some home court advantage, either geographically being familiar with the venue, et cetera. But other than those rare cases, do you, how much more heavily do you weight the road games of a team when you look back over the season when you're trying to project how they'll do in a tournament? Well, I like to look at two things. Number one, every almost everyone at this point plays these early season tournaments. So you get some level of a of an example of how a team would play in a tournament during the actual regular season to start the year. And then so you highly those are neutral court games. Correct. And thus you think, all right, this is the most apples to apples there is. Thus you highly weight weight those games. If they're a veteran team, look a lot of the problem with the power five conferences in those early season games is so many of them are one and done freshmen just coming in, not yet acclimated to the team in the chemistry yet. But on these veteran teams, look, the team is who it is. They've been the same team for three years. How do they play on the road? How do they play in neutral courts? I remember during the Christmas break, watching the same Lipscomb team go to Navy, who had a, a much improved season this year, Navy and Lipscomb got it done on the road there. And that's really the turning point for me when I started following this team. And I said, I can't wait to the Atlantic Sun tournament to bet this team to bet Florida Gulf Coast, who's so public. <laughs> that's so funny. Like against Navy back in, when was that? December 21st. And <laughs> yeah, how many kids do you have? Four. I've got four kids, but I'm watching Lipscomb and Navy. And, and I'm thinking in March, there's some value here, baby. I love it. Oh, you got to love it. Absolutely. You, you got to love it. <laughs> All right. Next game. Butler, Arkansas. Pick them. No. Butler, slightly favored. One, one and a half. Agree with the line hmm. movement. I'm leaning with <laughs> Butler in this game. Although this isn't your traditional... Butler team, brand new coach, obviously the Butler coach from the last couple of seasons off to Ohio State, did a tremendous job this year. And man, when Butler stepped up in class outside of the Villanova first game, they were really overmatched. Now, are they going to be overmatched against an Arkansas team that's been up and down this season? No. Just got to go pure power ratings here. Says Butler should be the play. Butler deserves to be favored. Agree with the line mode. Just a lean for me. Won't have a bet on it, but I do lean with Butler minus one and a half. And what's your power rating say? Barring say Butler right now by one and a half. So not much value right now at the current line. Well, again, the power ratings is the starting yep. point. You've got to lean. Absolutely. Guys. Just a lean to Butler. I think the venue in Detroit favors Butler, Arkansas, having to travel to Detroit. And also Butler, uh, historically, I don't know how much weight we want to give this Brad Stevens long gone, but they have one of the best against the spread records of any of the NCAA tournaments. And this makes sense. Butler is such a non-public team, kind of an under-the-radar team each and every year. Really? But you would say today Butler's a non-public team? Oh, yes. Mm. No. Maddie, Maddie's shaking his head yeah. so much he's about ready to fall off. <laughs> I would have to say Butler, if you just asked like a casual fan, the kind that just bets the NCAA tournament, and gave him a list of even the 100 – most popular teams for getting the other 200 plus. I'd have to say Butler 15, 16, 17 when it comes to name recognition. But where are you? It's like what you're saying seems crazy. Like if, what, what are you thinking? If I asked an average fan to write down 40 really good college basketball teams, I think they'd miss Butler. 
No, I don't. No, I don't. I, I'm, sounds like I'm wrong. What team that made back to back national championship games? How many teams have done yeah, that? Yeah, back to back national. Plus, their coach is now the Celtics head coach. That <laughs> certainly helps the popularity. I think they've had a lot of things break right the last decade. That is, you know, I'm them. just going to admit that I was wrong. That, that, see, it makes <laughs> yep. it easier. Yes. What's your handicap here, man? Oh, I'm going to go ahead and stay on uh, Holt Island here all by myself and lean with the Arkansas Razorbacks. I actually think this game is really close, and I actually have Arkansas power rated a little bit better, and they're so much, they're a little bit better in a lot of key categories. They score a little bit more. They average about another half an assist per game. Their effective uh, field goal percentage is about, about you know, a 1.5% better. They turn the ball over about a half a percent less. They're just a little better in all these key categories. Yet the fact that this game was played in a, a beneficial uh, geographic location to Butler almost made it a pick to me. But now that the money's all going toward Butler, I'm starting to see the value on Arkansas at plus one and a half or better. I'd go ahead and take the more athletic team that doesn't turn the ball over as much and shoots a better percentage. I'm going to go ahead and take the Razorbacks. Matty Holt likes Arkansas. Dave Ashler is saying, hey, I am also not convinced the Big East is nearly as good as many people do, which brings up a great concept, which is how good these conferences are matter so much because such a majority of the games that are competitive are within a conference. And if a conference is way under or overrated, that team is going to be way under or overrated because our assessment of them is so reliant upon what we think of the teams they're playing. So, if we truly believe, or if Asler's right, that the Big East is overrated, another negative for Butler. Does anyone disagree with that, or any thoughts on that? Well, the problem with the Big East, like some of these conferences, is that it's so top-heavy that everyone piles up wins against the St. John's, the Georgetown's, the DePaul's, where you go into a conference like the SEC this year, where it had so much parity and so much depth, there are no easy outs. So that that... You know, those wins in conference, that conference record means more. Some of these conferences, the top is, you know, hey, the top five teams are amazing. But when you get to go nine and oh against, you know, the bottom four or five teams, that makes a big difference, too. And that's been the case in the Big East lately. Pound on DePaul, Georgetown, St. John's beat uh, beat Villanova at home. Go to the NCAA tournament. I think a really good exercise on Thursday is to follow how the conferences are doing the major conferences. If you're seeing a, a conference really perform tremendously well or really badly, then you probably can go ahead and tweak your power ratings and look to play on or against that conference going forward. We saw that in football in the Big Ten. Remember when the Big Ten was rolling in all their bowl games and money started pouring in on the late games and all the Big Ten But teams. the conference is a little erratic with that. We saw the ACC struggle desperately last year. At the beginning, North Carolina went on and won the national championship and looked amazing. So it was kind of a hit or miss thing. You see, I agree with Fez here. I don't think every team... Like the most you're going to do, I think, is maybe adjust a team by a point. Like, oh, this conference isn't as good as I thought. They were power rated in 86. Now they're in 85. Doesn't mean that team, a team from that conference can't win it. It just means across the board, they might be a little bit overrated. But hey, if you're the best team by three notches and you're overrated, you still can be the best team by two notches, right? So I'm a big fan. Now, listen, you got to make sure the, the scores are telling, though, because if there's misleading finals, misleading scores, you can start reacting conference level, and it's premature. But if you feel like there's four, five, six games, you know, once you get the six games, and if it's five and one or one and five, and those scores are, are pretty representative, I'm going to start upgrading or downgrading based on it, just to be explicit. If a conference is doing really well, I want to upgrade the team because they're playing tougher competition. 
as we look back in hindsight, they played tough competition and vice versa. If they're one and five, I want to look to downgrade the teams left in that conference. Next game, Purdue opening line favored by 20 against Cal State Fullerton. Fez. I like Purdue to kill this Cal State Fullerton team. Two reasons. Cal State Fullerton has shown no ability to cope. They played three pretty good teams, not nearly as good as Purdue. They lost on average by 23 to USC, St. Mary's, and Georgia. And further, little under-the-radar handicap here. This is a 10 a.m. Pacific start. I assume Cal State Fullerton probably, I don't know if they're flying in Wednesday night or Thursday, so they've got a day or two to acclimate. But that 10 a.m. start time, just a little extra edge for Purdue. So it's one of those West Coast body clock type situations that's a negative for Fullerton. Yes. How do we in general, just going macro a second, these quirky start times, the really early ones, the really late ones, how do we handicap those? Do, do Are there types of teams that have advantages? Well, I will say this. These kids have played in those situations in 2018 a heck of a lot more than they ever did in 2008 because of the amount of AAU flying all over the place, playing in these AAU tournaments. Even the one and dunners have actually done it before in high school, but, but there is certainly still some effect. I've had a lot of arguments with a lot of people over the effect of travel, over, over the effect of time what, changes. What are the various, just give us high, high level, but what are the various reasonable perspectives? Meaning you may or may not agree with them, but when you have these arguments, what do people say about early starts, late starts, time changes, et cetera. Well, I think some people still overestimate them a little bit too much. And then some people overestimate what these kids do in high school with AAU and say, oh, it doesn't have any effect anymore. It doesn't have any travel. The simple fact is the reality is actually in the middle. It's not a one and a half point effect anymore. It's probably more like a half a point, somewhere between a third of a point and 0.75 in a drastic situation. Um, but, but, it, but it can't be ignored, but it can't be overstated. And it's certainly not non-existent anymore because they do it in high school. My approach is anytime that there's an extra possible distraction. So what's that? Extra early start, extra late start, a ton of travel, anything that it takes discipline to overcome, I'm going to be more skeptical of big favorites. Fully agree with that. Because in general, we've all had experiences where, and I'll give you a good example. When I would hardly, you know, when I was just starting to do radio, if I had a 5.45 a.m. radio spot in some local station on the East Coast, I'd still wake up a half hour early, drink some juice, slap the face a little bit, be ready to go. Now, if it's some big national spot, I'm going to do the same thing. But if somehow I've got some, you know, which I don't do a lot of local anymore, but if I did, I'd probably wake up and be clear, clearing the sleep out of my eyes while I'm talking because, hey, I don't think I've got to work all that hard to do well on a nat- or on a local spot at that level. If you're favored by 22 and it's a really early game, are you going to say, no, let's not play that last you know video game because we better get our eight and a half hours because we've got to play, uh, <laughs> you know, a Cal State Fullerton tomorrow. <laughs> so to me, in general, if 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 you got to worry about a big favor being lackadaisical, any extra external distraction like an early start, I think is more dangerous. Anyone disagree with that? Do not disagree. And here's another concern specifically for this game that comes into play specifically for the big 10 conference. Purdue 
hasn't played in 13 days here. So it's the rest versus rust. Are they going to be rested like they were at the start of the season where they ran off 19 straight games? Or is this the Purdue team that all of a sudden became overpriced completely in the marketplace? Purdue's only covered one game since January 20th. One time they've covered in their last 13 games. For those reasons alone, I am going to lean with Cal State Fullerton plus the 20. I'm not here, and I'm going to go with Purdue in this one. And I'm not just trying to go against Brad. Here's I, recent history okay. sometimes okay. can teach um, <laughs> can teach people a little bit of a lesson. Matt Painter had a big lead with a really good team a couple of years ago against the team coached by Chris Beard, card Arkansas Little Rock, and yep. and Arkansas Little Rock was getting absolutely run out of the gym by Purdue. Purdue started calling off the dogs, and here comes Arkansas Little Rock. They tie the game, they take it to overtime, they upset Purdue, and and a lot of people. People thought that Purdue could win a national championship. I also thought that once Vincent Edwards went down this year, Purdue kind of had to readjust the way they play. And Painter seemed to take it easy. He said, look, we know we're a really good team. We can coast through the through the Big Ten other than Michigan State. And he seemed to really for the most part. You saw when Vince Edwards came back, they really turned it on. Uh, and they went to the championship of the Big Ten tournament. I think Matt Painter, if he gets that big lead because of what happened against Arkansas Little Rock, won't call off the dogs this time because it's a recent memory of what happened to you last time. And I do not want to get in front of Edwards and Edwards Incorporated here. I would only go with the Boilermakers. Some thoughts from Esler here. He says Purdue has the makeup of a champion, top 20 offense, top 20 defense. How, what kind of, I mean, we're not here to handicap the futures, but I do find a team like Purdue that, was in the 70 to one range entering the year to be a viable champion. Does anyone agree that, Hey, Purdue, like where would you put Purdue Brad on chance to win the title? Are they in the top eight? Yeah, probably right around eight. I would say. Absolutely. You also mentioned Fullerton likes to play fast. This is Dave Vessler. Maybe a first half bet on Fullerton. You've got the early start. You got the, uh, which I think hurts the favorite more. Typically you got the long layoff. But the early start hurts the West Coast team. Yeah, that's true. So that's kind of, okay, that balances. Okay. But the 13 days off, when the Big Ten had a, you know, uh, you looked at their schedule this year, a lot of times Big Ten teams were playing three games in a week, and now you have 13 days in between And we don't know if it hurts or helps because the first year they do it. So we don't have any history of, hey, the Big Ten struggles or gets out of the gate good because this is year one of the earlier start. But can't we look at the the non-Big Conference tournament schools that's made the tournament in years past that had the longer layoff, did they typically under or overperform? The problem with that is we're typically not getting power five superpower yeah. teams. We're getting slow. And I, I personally, and, and maybe it did nothing against Fullerton, I don't like betting on teams that are happy to be here. Cal State Fullerton wasn't even one of the four best teams in the crappy Big West. They're miraculous just to get to this tournament. Should have been Irvine or Santa Barbara or UC Davis. There's a lot of teams a lot better than Fullerton. I think Fullerton is one of the three worst teams in the tournament. Now, we want to have another wise guy type or bookmaker type question for Mr. Matty Holt. In the NFL, double-digit favorites for most wise guys, professionals, it's dog or pass a vast majority of the time. Fez is famous on record for saying, hey, double digits in the NFL, I might lay it maybe once, twice a season. 20-plus point favorite. So big jumbo, let's say it's 20 and above. With the Sharps, the guys that are making a living at this, what percentage of the time are they on the dog and the favorite? Is it super lopsided? 
I, I will say this. When it gets to big favorites, you'd be surprised how little times the public is laying the number. The public doesn't want to lay 20-plus in a game. That's why the handle in these games ends up being a lot less. What happens is you take sharp bets on this. I remember with Connecticut basketball and women's for a long time, we couldn't make those numbers big enough, and the public would come in and take the 34 with South Carolina or whoever against UConn women's because they see that huge number, and it's unfathomable to them that a basketball team's going to win by 34. So they just take it. The Sharps would come in and lay it. UConn would win by 60, and we'd get pounded. So that makes it a little bit cheaper because the public's not betting and inflating it, so there might be more value but the public's not afraid to lay 30 in college football. What do you think is different about the mentality? Uh, sometimes it's just teams. It's, you get teams like Oklahoma where it doesn't matter who they play. You know, Oklahoma's playing. We're going to bet Oklahoma. You know, maybe that's the answer. Because in college football, it's usually only the very best teams yes. that are laying 28 or more. In basketball, you can have, you know, when there's really disparate quality teams, you can have a... The 30th best team laying 30 points. Absolutely. Yep. Huh, that's interesting. But they don't want to bet that 30th best team. Like, wow, I just learned something. See, it's worth it. It's all worth <laughs> it. Next game, Michigan State. Bucknell opening number. Michigan State by 14. Quick question. We've been preaching. And, Maddie, you probably haven't heard all this. We've been preaching. Michigan State, look out. There's going to be uh, a tough road for you to make the finals, Final Four, because every game Michigan State wins, another chance to talk about the gym, the gymnastics, the doctor, and all that controversy. Not to mention they're on the 20 teams. We also mentioned Izzo's distraction. So we think the NCAA would want to make it tough for Michigan State. Brad, looking at the bracket, assessing Michigan State's seeding, assessing their path, how would you characterize the how easy or difficult their path is very difficult uh, for starters. This is a team that I have power rated Michigan State number five in the country. So the fact that they're a three seed tells you that they're vastly under seed. It should have been a two seed at worst. Maddie, you do your own power ratings. Where's Michigan State in that range? Yeah. yeah. So they they've always been in our three to eight range all year. Really never f- fell out of it either way. And interestingly enough, they've never been worse than fourth, I think, at the very worst in terms of odds to win the national championship. And for much of the year, we're actually tied with Duke or tied with Villanova. So you're talking about a team who's been a favorite or co-favorite in the odds to win it all year. And power ratings wives never fallen out of the top eight. And not only did they give Michigan State a bad number three seed, but who's the two seed that they matched up Michigan State with? Duke, who also, in my opinion... Should it's probably a little bit underseeded. I actually have Duke power rated above Kansas and above Xavier, two number one seeds. So very tough draw for Michigan State. The only bone they threw the Spartans is where these first two round games are played in Detroit, Michigan. That's the only advantageous draw that Michigan State got out of the bracket. So lo and behold, the very best team in your power ratings, Brad Powers, that didn't make the tournament was Louisville. Huh. So the team you can't keep out of the tournament that has the most controversy yeah, <laughs> gets a horrible path, horrible seed. And the team you could make the case and leave out of the tournament that has the most controversy, best team left out. No question Just about it. Just a coincidence, though. Yeah, we can call it that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So considering Michigan State in this game, 
Matty Holt. I'm going to go with a total here for the first time, and I'm going to go over 147 and a half in this game. And and when you talk about pace of play with teams like Lipscomb and some of the other teams we've talked about, Bucknell can get up there and play at just as fast a pace as any of these teams. And Michigan State can score. They have scorers all over the court. They don't turn the ball over a ton. They're also going to dominate the offensive glass here. So I think we'll see an offensive putbacks, but Bucknell runs off scores. They run off, they get a lot of steals. And because they go for steals and press so much, there's a lot of fouls in their game. And thus you're getting points with the clock stopped. I thought 147 and a half was really generous here. I expected this total to well be into the low 150s. So I'm going to head and go and uh, go ahead and take this one over 147 and a half. Any thoughts on the total? I'm always concerned going over when the point spread is 14 and a half. And here's the reason. 13 there, right? Isn't that that's what it's down to? I'm sorry. Maybe I have different numbers in front of me. My number in front of me says 13 and a half. So just to be clear, I'm using the opening number. So whenever you guys take over, you know, if there's any significant change, just state the current number and we'll go from there. But continue. Yeah. So, so if I've got a nine point underdog, I'm like, that's really good for the over. So if it lands close to that nine, if a team's down six or even down 10 with three minutes to play, here comes the epic foul fest of three minutes. But when a team gets up by more than 14, we all seen this before the final three minutes, you might get 10, 11 points and you don't get over because of it. All right. So that seems so obvious to a professional, meaning if you are making a living from college basketball batting either on either side of the counter it makes a ton of sense that normal distribution says whatever the line is, the game's going to be around that line at the end more often than any other line it could be around, right? That's the whole point of a normal distribution. That's if the line's 14, it's going to be between 10 and 18 a bunch. And obviously if the line's six, it's going to be between 10 and two a bunch. Okay. So, but that seems like something that numbers would have built into it. And they don't. They typically take a look. The odds make So if all sees, if all year, if all I did was, and I can do this, so I'm going to do this analysis and I'll tweet it out. Um, I won't necessarily, maybe I'll talk about it next week because I don't think it has a wide interest. But I'll look at every game with a line between 12 and 15 and look at every game with a line between 5 and 8. And the theory is that I should be the the 12 and 15 should be under the total at least 51, 51 and a half percent and vice versa. Are you, would you be willing to bet that's the case? I'd be willing to bet that the games that were lined at 20 far more go under than over the 14 point spreads. If ERG, because if, if you only are up by nine or 10, that is the ultimate over situation. So why did you jump in on if the line's 14 talking about how that's a problem with him playing under because or you're, over? Because you're right on the cusp. If a team's uh. up 14 at the end of the game, you're going to get a quiet final two minutes. So, Matt, you're on the other side of the counter. How do you account for the whole idea of the likelihood of being in that fouling range at the end of the game, which obviously adds points versus not? Some of that, you know, it, that gets built into the halftime numbers more than the pregame numbers. Look, in basketball, more than any other sport, it's a game of runs. We could pretend... Uh, in, in football, the, the game tends to land on numbers a lot more than it does in basketball. There's plenty of pick'em games that get blown out by 30, just like there's 15-point favorites that end up uh, being really close at the end. That's just how basketball plays itself out. What I will say in NCAA college games is a team down nine with 45 seconds to go that might not foul during the regular season will foul almost every single time in the NCAA tournament. That's an interesting point we talked about recently is when you're on that borderline of, 
hey, we've got another game in a couple days. We're down nine. Odds of us winning are less than five, 5% or so. Maybe they don't foul. In the NCAA tournament, they're going to. So in general, that hurts the unders. And sometimes these coaches foul at the end of the game two or three times just to get guys off the bench in so they could say they played in an NCAA tournament game. Wow, that's that's, that's pretty good. Oh. Strong stuff, Maddie. Hope coming back strong. Yeah, I love it. And uh, as far as my handicap on the game, I'm going to lean with Michigan State. If there's any team that really needed some time off, it was the Spartans. Don't believe me? Ask their head coach, Tom Izzo, who at the end of the season was saying after every game, we are gassed. We don't have much left. And I also think Michigan State not playing a basketball game for almost the last two weeks has kind of kept them off the spotlight a little bit. So maybe there's less distractions because it's obviously maybe had an impact on Michigan State. Michigan State, since this has been announced, the Larry Nassar thing came out, they've only covered two of their last 12 games. So it's had an impact whether they like to admit it or not. Rest, I think, is a beneficial for them. I'm going to lay the 14 and a half lean Michigan State. And to your point, the fatigue seemed a little evident in the interviews with Izzo. Oh, he yeah, seemed a, a little, little evident. Yeah. I was just trying to be polite for the. It was. It was actually. Uh, I think he was a plus 300 dog to kill over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but uh, let's go back to Brad's point though. I might make the point that having time off allowed them, not allowed them, forced them to kind of face some stuff. You know how it is. I like keep a shark. Keeps moving forward. He did Tony Soprano style. not thinking about the horrible things he's done. I mean, Michigan State, as long as you're flying around the country playing basketball, maybe you're not thinking so much about this controversy. Now you're hanging out. You're talking. Mm. You know, maybe it was, maybe it was more of a problem because they had time to think about it. Again, I don't know for sure, yeah. but. Again, that's why it's art. More art than science. Anything, Fess? Um I was leaning to Michigan State, and I, I saw that Allen Boston called Bucknell the best Patriot League team he has ever seen. That made me neutral on the game. So that that meaning that uh, any idea of laying with Michigan State, you're thinking, hey, Bucknell might be better than people think. Yes. Okay. And speaking of that, um, Dave Esler has a thought on Bucknell. Is he mentioned that this is a program that goes to the NCAA? tournament a lot we always talk about it's it's unlike anything else and if you've been there a bunch it's going to help you being familiar helps you not be overwhelmed by the experience so i do think that's interesting you know maddie let's take a, a just a little sojourn off to the side every time you come fezzik i it, i never figure out what he's trying to do but he's like whispering to you. He's like, he's, ask, he's asking if you want any drinks or snacks. And I'm wondering, like, you know, Fez doesn't do that to me. You know, I sign his checks, you know. And- mm, but you were, before you got in here, RJ, he was on the attack. Yeah, he was firing uh, So he's me. putting on a show but, here. Re- but remember, that's his high IQ style. Yes. It's be nice when it's time to be nice. And then it's like, make the other person feel like if you don't do what I want, I'm going to be mean to you. Sounds a little dirty to me. Oh, oh. So just give me, what was going on? Give us the, because we've actually, Fez has rebranded himself. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. So what was he doing? So Fez was uh, talking to me about his limits. You know, it wasn't any high, Maddie. Haven't seen you in a while. It was, do you know that this is my limits on the app? And oh, by the way, I can't even find the game. So I found the game for him. And 
And yeah, his, you know, we were talking about his limits and what they should be compared to what they are. And so, Fez, you could just celebrate the fact the only two-time Super Contest champion, one of the most famous sports batters in the world. Hey, with that comes the bars raised, is they don't want you just beating them up. But you want both, right? You want to be famous, but you also want all the high limits. Well, the bar's not raised. The bar's lowered. To well, the, the point- bar's raised is tougher to win because you're not picking off the rogue numbers when, when Maddie's asleep and they've got the guy they just hired last week watching the numbers. Well... I def I definitely can bet ninety nine dollars ninety nine rose bushes in live waging. I I definitely right, Maddie. I definitely can still bet the ninety nine dollars. Oh, yeah. so here's the the carrot yeah. and the stick, right? I got yeah. that there's, right. There's, they can't yeah. take that away from me, can they? Well, they can. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm not in charge. In fact, of that. he might text. He might text it right now, and your account's going to get shut down. I, I I won't hold a grudge. I I'll, I'll recommend all my friends play that. Where the truth is just coming yeah. out. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. That's Steve Fezzik. Next game. <laughs> Texas, Nevada, not Nevada, Nevada. Opening line around Pickham. I think that Maddie's going to say I'm on the square side here, but I like Texas. Nevada was a great team for most of the year, but and I think that the Sharps, the math guys, are going to like them. But this is a team that's down to four healthy scholarship players. They lost their point guard. Back in February, they are absolutely leaking oil. RJ, get this. In the Mountain West Tournament, Nevada trailed San Diego State by 30 at halftime. That's 30. This team is a shell of what they were just a month ago. Overrated. I will take Texas, who's getting healthier, with Mo Bamba, their seven-foot monster that's coming back and says he's 100%. I also like Texas plus the one point here. And let's talk specifics. Nevada's probably biggest injury, their point guard, Drew gets hurt, and since the last six games, they've only covered one game. And why is it specifically tough in this matchup is Nevada's going against that pressing Havoc-style defense of Shaka Smart and Texas, something Nevada doesn't play, so they're going to rely on a backup uh, point guard. Martin has been handling it mostly, the six-seven guy. But Bamba being healthy, I think, creates some value for Texas here. He hasn't played that much last three games, so really Texas has been better than what they've looked the last three, four games with a seven-foot-one center, another type of player that Nevada doesn't see consistently on a game-to-game basis in the Mountain West, like Texas plus the one. Yeah, this one's a no play for me. I wanted to play Nevada so bad, and you're right. The numbers guys are going to end up landing on Nevada uh, because there's such a disparity. 16.5 assists per game to only 11 for Texas, who, who doesn't seem to be able to pass the ball well. Nevada only turns the ball over 12% of the time. One of the best in the tournament at that against that pressure defense of Shaka Smart. That's so important. All the stats. And, you know, Nevada shoots 55% effective field goal percentage. Uh, Texas is under 50%. There's so many key stats that favor Nevada here. But at the end of the day, the injury to the point guard has made Caleb Martin be a different player than he actually was early in the year. And because of that, I have to pass. And keep in mind, all those great stats that Nevada's had, it's come against what kind of competition. Mountain West is better than what it's been. But Nevada hasn't played a top 40 team. And the bottom of it's terrible. San Jose State, Air Force are terrible. They haven't played Nevada a top, a legitimate top 40 team, probably outside of San Diego State, who's just beat them the last two times. Since Boise? Yeah, at least since Boise, if not since the non-conference. Oh, yeah, by the way, Nevada did play. When fully healthy, a couple Big 12 opponents, Texas Tech, TCU, lost both games straight up, failed to cover both games. Texas against those two teams. Played them five times, four and one against the number. I think the wrong team's favorite here. Give me the Longhorns, the healthier team. Big picture question. 
the whole season, 30-plus games in college basketball, if you are using stats, algorithms and such, 30-plus games gives you a de- you know more than double the NFL. But college, I think the quality of the teams change more than any other sport from the start of the season to the end of the season, especially with young teams. We talked about how that trend line can really be sharp upwards at playing much better in March than November. Just open question, and Maddie, we've talked about this without you, so maybe we can lean on you and get a fresh opinion. How do you, how much do you use pure statistics, if it's Kempom or whatever, and how do you account for the evolution of many teams throughout a season? Well, I th- I certainly think the evolution's important, especially in Power 5 teams, because they, they get most of the one-and-dones, and one-and-dones tend to evolve. You know, Kentucky at the beginning of the year, we were hearing it again. Oh, this is the year Kentucky's not going to be able to get there. And just like every year, Coach Cal has these one-and-done NBA-level players firing on all cylinders, just won the SEC tournament. Uh, it takes these freshmen a little bit of time to, to generate continuity and be able to play a Division One schedule against the Power 5 conference. Uh, so it certainly means a lot more with younger teams than it does veteran teams. But, you know, how you're playing at the end of the year and your health are so important in the NCA. Moving on. We got some breaking news, and we're taping Tuesday night. Bridgewater to the Jets. And... Obviously, when you listen to this, you're going to know it, but good time to talk about next week. So we'll be breaking down Wednesday a.m. release, just like every week during basketball season of the Dream Preview, is we'll be breaking down, obviously, the Sweet 16 round, but also Fezzik's in the bunker, as he likes to say, and he'll be giving upgrades or downgrades to all the NFL teams with their signings and such. So a little bonus coming up next week. Continuing with Friday as we move towards the end of the day, Cincinnati, Georgia State. We've got Cincinnati by 15 and a half. Brett. Yeah, I'm going to lean with Georgia State here plus the 14. A Georgia State team that's been very profitable this season against the spread covered 67% of their games. What I saw from Cincinnati is, you know, I we questioned on the Straight Out of Vegas show on the weekend, what was Cincinnati's motivation in the American Athletic Conference tournament where they went against the spread, despite the fact they won the tournament outright, laying double digits almost all the time. In at least the first two games, they're laying 12, 14, 15 points. So here's a team that's at least shown questionable motivation when they've been laying a significant number. And I got to question it here, even though it's the NCAA tournament, it's win or go home. They got to think that they got a great chance of winning this game. Going to be looking forward to the second round matchup. Offensively, very challenged. In fact, the most challenged top 15 offensive team in the country I'm not willing to, to lay the points here. As far as teams ranked in the top 15, they have the most challenged offense. Don't want to lay the 14. That's why I like Georgia State. Talking about Cincinnati with the yes. poor offense. Uh, look, I'm going to uh, take the short boat ride over to Powers Island here because I am all over <laughs> this one with them. I love Georgia State. This is one of my favorite bets Friday. You know, I've been riding against Cincinnati the entire AAC tournament. Uh, I, I took the 17 with Memphis. That got home easy. Uh, uh, took the points with SMU. That was never in doubt. I mean, this team is just not firing on all cylinders. And we talked already about the premium of points when the totals are low, something we talk about during football all the time as well. It's consistent amongst pretty much all sports. But when you have a total less than 130 and you're catching 14 and a half points with a team that's been there second time in three years for Georgia State, I really like Georgia State plus 14 and a half in this spot. You know, soon enough, I mean, literally within like two months, we're going to have 
three cameras in here and we're going to tape everything we do. And then we're going to be doing other things with a visual element when we do the pods. I wish we had a camera because Fezzi came in and in between braiding Maddie about his limits, he's like, uh, RJ, I'm 13 and two. I'm 13 and two. Make sure you mention I'm 13 and two. I'm like, that's pretty damn good. All right, we'll mention it. And then my buddy's here and uh, he bets every game Fezzik has. And I see him looking at the phone and so I don't know if he's even listening to the pot. He's looking. Finally, he's high fiving Fezzik. And you <laughs> see Fezzik, he gets out his piece of paper that has 13 and two. And with the most joy, <laughs> he, cr- he crosses off the 13 and puts a 14 and puts mm. it up and like shoves it in my face. I am Elmer J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. He's rolling. The way he's going now might be a, a new yacht on the way Fez, this summer. Going to take it out on Lake Mead. Now, do you have your yacht in San Diego? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> now, <laughs> so is Cincinnati, you know, Esler was talking about Cincinnati, Cincinnati being analogous to Virginia. The type of team that with the offense struggling like they do, probably hard to see them going all the way. Probably not the type to get margin, but give them a game between minus six and plus six, and this team is a mighty tough, you know, good execution team. Is that a fair way to think about it? Totally fair. Poor man's Virginia. You know, I'm going to actually disagree. Because because Virginia just plays so slow, RJ, that they can't get any margin, but they're very efficient on offense. Mm. The Cincinnati team, they got a great defense. They might have the best defense in the country. Second best. But their offense is mediocre. Who's best? Best is Virginia. Virginia's got a top two, three defense in the last 17, 18 years. Although, I mean, we should mention the Cincinnati's a two seed. And if you're looking to bet futures, hey, Cincinnati's got a chance to win it all. I say, nah, they don't. Last 17 national champs have all had a top 20 de- offense when it comes to efficiency. Cincinnati doesn't even have a top 50 offense. They're not a national title contender. And I need to, I need to emphasize why Cincinnati is such a bad futures bet because They've got a great defense, and they try so hard each and every game, and I've seen this before. There's nowhere to go. All these other teams that might have lackluster defensive games like the North Carolinas of the world, their defense gets better in the tournament. Cincinnati can't get any better. They play all in, typically, on all their games. Next game is Xavier, but that's a play-in. Guys, if you can go to one place for updates as these play-ins get set, Brad Powers on Twitter and his post at pregame.com is the place to go on Twitter at Brad Powers 7. Brad, then P-O-W-E-R-S. The number, the number, the mysterious 7. Brad Powers 7. And Brad, you'll tweet out a little mini handicap on on the plans? Overall, I do want to fade Xavier. I mentioned several times straight out of Vegas show, a team I want to, I think is overrated. Not even the top 10 of my power ratings, even though they're a number one seed, Xavier. Next game, Missouri, Florida State, opening number around Pickham, Brad. Yeah, I wanted to like Missouri in this game, uh, but a key injury happened. Come on Should- over. Really? Come on over, Brad. Well, here's the, the issue here with Missouri <laughs> that I don't think is being priced accordingly. Porter comes back, the, the All-American, top five future NBA draft pick that didn't top play. Two. Top two, all right. Didn't play most of the season, just finally played in a game in his last game. Had a lackluster effort, which you'd expect from that long layout. So everyone's thinking, boy, with an extra week off, him that second game, he's really going to be upgraded. And I think the upgrade is fully priced into here because after the SEC tournament, Missouri lost their second-best scorer, second-best rebounder in Barnett. 
I don't think that's getting priced at all really into the marketplace, or at least accordingly. So that downgraded my like on Missouri plus one to a lean on Missouri plus one. And the key is how they lost him. They lost him to a DUI where he got suspended. I think that's a lot different from maybe an injury where the whole team might rally behind it. I think that's a big distraction. I don't want to bet distracted teams. You know, I can't tell many stories today, but this is a true story. And I'm not proud of it at all. My dad had like 12 DUI arrests, never got convicted. Now, this is the 70s and the 80s. You know, he finally settled down. And back then, it was just normal. Like, people drank, you know, and the, you watch, like, Mad Men. It's like, you ever think Don Draper's all going to drive because he's drunk, right? But somehow, like, 11 or 12, he went to court every time and got it reduced every time. Mm. I mean, I, I got to give him, he's a coal miner, so he, maybe he should have been a lawyer. And then, fi- <laughs> then finally, like, like 10 years ago, so he was, like, 62, he, he he got one just over like 0.9 and he goes, I'll beat this. I go, it's like, you know, it's like 2012. You're not going to beat it anymore. And somehow he came up with a story that he just had gone to the dentist and he was on some kind of dentist, you know, the dental effects of that caused the thing to blow higher than it should have. He got off again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Again, so is that where you got your gift of gab? Uh, no, no. Oh God, he yeah. can hardly like if you ask him to change the TV channel. No, he's a coal miner. <laughs> okay, but somehow when he gets in front of a judge, I tell you, it's where I got my stubbornness. Oh, okay. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Just about a third of it. If okay. You, now think about that. RJ, for a you stubborn, really? <laughs> <laughs> but but just for the the customers, love me. Speaking of that, time to take a quick moment. We're going to do a coupon. We went all through the football season giving coupons because of all the support. I'm going to ask for it again. This is a great time to get more Dream Preview listeners. And remember, every listener we get makes this more valuable. We put more time, more energy, more money into the Dream Preview. Also, the Don't Bet On It. By the way, this week, no Don't Bet On It. It's too much NCAA action. And Brad and I are doing a solo emergency special pod bill simmons emergency style is on friday for a saturday morning release we're taping friday is we're going to do the um let's think about this brad how's this working now so we want to do do a look ahead so the thursday games are going to be over and then we can maybe we do early early on friday and then we can get it released by midday friday for the saturday games we could do that We'll think about it. I, we well, got, Matt, Matt, Maddie, when do you post those uh, games on for the Saturday games on Friday? When do you post the lines? No, that's going to be up probably Friday Thursday morning. Right? Yeah, Thursday, Thursday night. Friday. All right. Fair yeah. So, so the early games will end. You know, and suddenly you'll start developing matchups, and by late, late Thursday night, they'll start being out. Friday night at the Friday morning at the latest. The, the disadvantage most Vegas books is we have it. We close at night because we have to occupy the space and staff it if we stay open. So a lot of the books close at some point at night, one in the morning, whatever it is. So if some of those late games don't have lines, they won't be out till the next morning. You know what we'll try? Maybe what we should do, Maddie, is or uh, I'm sorry, is Brad is maybe let's like meet here like 11 p on Thursday night, knock it out like overnight. And, but we'll figure it out. Something on Friday is going to come out looking at Saturday. A little bonus. And then obviously we'll be back next week with the normal stuff. But because Fez is so hot, 13 and 2. 14. 14. 14. Oh, 14 and 2. And obviously great stuff from Brad and the rest of the boys. Esler's been killing it. Is Here's a coupon. NCAA 10. 
So NCAA, all caps, the number one, the number zero. So NCAA 10, 10 bucks off anything, anything you want. So Fez, what's your typical like Thursday, all your best bets? How much is that going for? $25. So you can get that for 15 bucks and you're 13 and two. You sure you want to do that? And you're 13 and two. 14 and two. 87 and a half percent. So check that out. And guys, if we tick up on our listenership and we were doing this during football, we will actually have a coupon next week and we'll go up a buck every week. We tip up, tick up during the NCAA tournament. So this week, though, NCAA 11, just go to pregame.com, click the buy picks tab and you can see everyone's picks. And once you get to the shopping cart, just put in NCAA 10. How do you spread the word? Retweet the tweets about it. Just put out your own tweet, mention it, tell your friends. It doesn't matter, but it means a lot to us. And if you want to help us and you, for whatever reason, can't do that, just go to iTunes slash Apple podcast and give us a five-star rating. We have over 500 ratings, Maddie. A perfect five stars. Perfect. And, but the more ratings we get, the more impressive that is. Anything you can do to help, we really appreciate it. Obviously, we don't charge you anything for this. And obviously, we're putting in a ton of attention. And, you know, uh, obviously, I do a lot of work, but man, guy like Maddie hasn't made a penny from this. Not a penny. Obviously, his exposure's going through the roof, but still, he comes here prepared and he delivers. That's the thing about Maddie. A lot of sharp bookmakers out there. Well, not a lot. There's a few sharp bookmakers out there, but they hide that information like a fat guy with pizza. And I mean, like you're not getting it, but Maddie, you share. And to me, that makes you put you on another level beyond being so articulate. And obviously with Brad and Fezzik, there's no doubt about their commitment and expertise. And we really appreciate it. And if you feel thanks, please show it to us by just spreading the word to other people can enjoy it. And CAA 10 is that coupon. Next game, Missouri, Florida. I think I got robbed of my Missouri breakdown, by the way. Did you? Yeah. What did you want to say? Did we even do Missouri, Florida? Yeah, State? me, Brad, yeah. jumped on it. Fez jumped on it. Go they ahead. were all talking about Barnett. No one talked about the sixth man of the year in the SEC, John Day Porter, Michael Porter Jr.'s <laughs> little brother, who should have been in high school this year, but actually went to Missouri just so he could play with his older brother and his dad, who ends up being an assistant coach there. And we can't underestimate the job that Quanzo Martin has done with this program and the effect that he has had on this team. The fact that Michael Porter is coming back and his dad's an assistant and his younger brother's the sixth man of the year in the SEC is only going to make this team better at this time of year. They already hit the check the boxes and all the key metrics, including shooting almost 55% in effective field goal percentage. I think Missouri's a strong play here, and Leonard Hamilton has a long history, 7-8 and eight in the NCAA tournament, of really stinking it up in these type of games. So you like, not lean, like Missouri. I like Missouri. I think there's just so much uncertainty with Porter. He's playing really close to home in the conference tourney, and he goes, what, 5 for 17, really plays a subpar game. Is he really back? Is he ready? With that uncertainty, I can't bet this game. Yeah, Esler in his write-up was saying, could be a negative, could be a positive. So, hmm. okay, moving on. No, no best bets yet. So okay. we're almost through Friday, and we have four best bets, and none of them yet. Keep listening. Murray State, West Virginia. West Virginia favored by 10.5. Matty Holt. 
So, I mean, uh, while Murray State dominated their conference with Belmont all year, I do think that sometimes there's bad matchups for teams, and this is a bad matchup for Murray State here. Let's face it, they might as well call this team the Murray State-Jonathan Starks, because as Jonathan Stark goes, Murray State goes. The problem is Jonathan Stark is going to have Javon Cotter inside his pocket shorts all game long, something that he's not necessarily used to in the OVC. Murray State turns the ball over a little bit anyway, Uh, I think Javon Carter is going to jump all over him. The one trend that has been consistent all year long with West Virginia, they cover the first half, they fail to cover the second half. This is one of the rare times I would go with a derivative and play on West Virginia to cover the first half against Murray State. Oh, I love that kind of stuff, man. Now, why do you think West Virginia has that propensity to cover first half, not second? Number one, they play so hard in the first half, so hard with that pressure, constant pressure defense. There has to be some level of fatigue effect. Number two, um, is there a jump shooting team who's predicated on getting steals and getting offense off of their defense? But in the second half and late in games, teams just slow the ball down. They don't make as many stakes. Every possession so important. You call timeouts. You, you call a play. The coach calls a play. So there's less pandemonium. They get less turnovers. Thus, they get less points because they're not a great jump shooting team. And when you're not a great jump shooting team, then you tend to kind of fade late in the game when everyone has set defenses. But in the first half of games, they have been unbelievable this season. Excellent for Matty Hode. He likes... West Virginia first half. I lean West Virginia, but let me talk big picture about West Virginia. I think they're vastly underseeded. Here's the number five seed in this region that just in their last game, West Virginia was favored, not on a neutral floor, probably in a very pro Kansas home floor in the Big 12 championship, a Kansas team that's now a number one seed. West Virginia was a one, one and a half point favorite. This is a team, West Virginia. I have number 11 in my power ring, so they should have been a three seed. Four seed at the absolute worst in West Virginia. I like this West Virginia team, not only in this game, but I look for them to advance in the Sweet 16 and give a Villanova team a lot of travel. I'm going to pass this game, but if you want to take a flyer on one team that might have go ahead and go out of nowhere to win it all, it would be West Virginia. Let's look at those two games when they had to travel to the Midwest to play Kansas. So they lose the first game when they get out called for fouls, 37-2. to two. They get jobbed completely by the referees. Free throws. Free free throws. throws. Yep. And then the, the fouls in that game were actually only 26-14. It was the free throws that were 35-2. to two. Yes, thank you. You, thank you. you knew 26-14 out of your head? Yeah. <laughs> so then the second time they have to go again to Kansas, they're playing in the conference tourney, and they have to play on the road. And as Brad mentioned, they were a slight favorite, and they just crumbled in the very end of the game. But this is a team that I think power rating-wise is way better than the seed that they were given. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Now back to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. I tell you, boys, you know your stuff. Let's keep going. Marshall, Wichita State, Wichita State favored by 12. Brad Powers. I'm going to lean with Marshall here, plus the 11 and a half. The surprise winner out of the conference USA, probably the fourth best team out of that conference. Reason being is they like to push the Temple Marshall, so they're going to continue to run it all game long. And Wichita State, if there's been one unit that's been probably more disappointing than any unit on any team in college basketball this year, Wichita State's defense. Average defensive ranking for Wichita State the last five years, 12th in the country. This year's Wichita State's defense, number 107. 
vastly inferior defense compared to what they've had the last five years. Therefore, I don't want to lay double digits with Wichita State, especially against a team that's going to run that defense up and down the floor. Lean Marshall plus the points. When you quote your ratings, that's Ken Palm, correct? Ken Palm defensive ratings, yep. Matty Holt? I'm going to go with Marshall here as well. What a high total, 165 and a half. I was very tempted to play this game under. Probably still am going to play this game under 165 and a half. But I'm going to go ahead and go with Marshall here. And one of the things I look for is how did this team perform against other teams that either should have been in the tournament when they got opportunities this year? Marshall beat Middle Tennessee State, a team that a lot of team people argued should have been in the tournament twice. The re- yeah, that's right, twice, including in the regular season. So they have some quality wins. And what do I like about a team? You don't need a superstar center. You don't need a superstar power forward but if you're going to pull upsets in the NCAA tournament you need a point guard with experience John Elmore senior point guard for Marshall 24 points a game led conference USA in assists per game you get that leadership at the point guard position the guy that's going to be handling the ball most of the time is the best player on your team I'll go ahead and take the 12 or Marshall as well and I'm on an island going the other way I'm going to lean laying the 11 and a half with the favorite. And the whole point here for me is Marshall. They're a phony conference tourney champion. They had three point variance. They shot 43% in their, um, in their conference, their key conference tournament game while, and their opponent only shot 30%. That's why they're here. I think they're going to just celebrate being in the big dance and that big total 166. I tell you what, I'd much rather lay 11 and a half with a 166 total than a 136 total. One of the reoccurring themes for Maddie Holt is we all try to overthink this stuff that oftentimes it's like, oh, this is the fifth Sunday of the month. So they someone didn't get a check. So that means they're going to be tired because they don't have a lot of food to eat today. Like we keep extrapolating because a lot of smart handicappers out there, they're trying to find patterns where there really are no patterns. I think, Fez, we might be into that with this. These teams are just happy to be there. Because did you see anyone else see the Syracuse? I tweeted this. I retweeted it. They had a camera on Syracuse when they were announcing the tournament on the team and, you know, and their friends and girlfriends or whatever. When Syracuse got announced, it was like, I mean, I can't, it was like World War II just ended. They're, they're dancing, they're on tables. They're, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, if you haven't seen it and want to see it, check my Twitter feed. But that was the one team you would think they've been there before. Like, they don't really belong there by all accounts. Maybe they're thinking, oh, a little sheepish even. Like, we should No, these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. You really saying they're, they're literally a school like Marshall? From what you ever been to West Virginia? Yeah, I drove through the Wheeling Tunnel. <laughs> there you go. I grew up five minutes from Wheeling. Getting out of West Virginia, they're celebrating. <laughs> I mean, so the idea that they don't care, I'm not saying they're going to cover, but just this idea that they're just happy to be there. What does that even mean? I mean, like, does that mean they're not going to try hard? Does that, like, what does that mean? It means there might be some drinking and partying going on on yeah. Sunday night, yeah. Monday night, every night. Yeah, I don't think once they're on the road, there's going to be, I mean, they're, they're pretty strict, right? I've been around, I've been around a lot of, you know, we, we actually have someone here who won't, isn't on mic, but give me a thumbs up or down is in football. Those kids are watched very closely, obviously, right? When basketball teams are on the road, if they wanted to get into some trouble, put, give it a thumbs up. If it was easy, thumbs down if it's hard. Oh, all right. So he's saying it's easy to get into trouble. No. Oh, it's hard. All right. So he's saying in the postseason, especially, they're watching him like a hawk. Okay. So 
to me that that's interesting. And but during the regular season, not so much. Yeah, I can't imagine they're going to let some kid break curfew and and ruin the tournament for him, right? So I don't know. Does anyone else? Do, I mean, do you guys? Maddie or Brad, do you think, oh, this team's happy to be there, like that mentality? What I always look at first is who is the star player and is he going to be back next year? And in this case, John Elmore, senior point guard, this is it for him. He has to go out. Why wouldn't he try to go out and give everything he has in his last and only shot in the NCAA tournament? Because he's a guy that's averaging so many points in a mid-level conference in CUSA, uh, which was debatable whether or not they should have got two teams in. He could be playing in Europe or something next year. I mean, this is a national stage for a guy that averaged 24 and led the CUSA in assists. He's going to go out there and try to put on a show. That doesn't mean he'll actually do it or not, but he's going to go out there and give it a heck of a shot. Boy, this is amazing. So my friend said, and he he was uh, for a long time with a, big basketball program in college. There's four police officers that travel with this team um, when they go on like a tournament like this. Mm. And there's someone on call 24 seven, just a personal police force. If you got four of them, it's going to be more than one. Most probably one guy at four in the morning. And then, and so there's 12, how many players? 12, 15? Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's four cops. <laughs> Probably not going to get into too much trouble. Wowza. I didn't know that one. All right. Good stuff. And, and Maddie, I agree with you 100% is to whatever degree a team might not be fully focused, you know, a key question is, is does this team feel like, oh, this year is kind of a preamble to what we're going to do next year? So maybe, eh. You know, I get, but even then you would feel like, let's get some momentum. But if it's like a last hurrah, I, I think obviously, because most of these kids, even the ones we know their names, are never playing in the NBA. True. You know, a lot of last hurrahs, which is another reason I think to like the, the, the more experienced teams. Yep. The penultimate Friday game, at least by rotation schedule, Clemson, New Mexico State, Clemson, opening line, favored by four and a half, Fezzik. I like New Mexico State. This is another one I'm probably going to bet at post, probably get a better number. New Mexico State played a couple. So let's be explicit. We, it's important to slow down and explain stuff. So on this one, you think the line is going to move? The, the public's going to bet the favorite. They're going to bet Clemson. It's the game on Friday night, late 6 p.m. And so I think I'll get a better number playing the underdog right before the game tips off. New Mexico State, who you like? I like New Mexico State. They played a cupcake schedule. And I really am concerned, can they hang with a Clemson team? So I looked back how they did. They played in the Diamond Head Classic many months ago, back in Christmas. They played three good teams. They beat Davidson. They beat Miami. They lost a close game to USC. All three of those teams right now are comparable to this Clemson team because Clemson has had a key injury. Um, Grantham is out for this team, so they're not nearly as good as they've been for their body work over the course of the season. The fact that New Mexico State could hang with those other three teams I think they can absolutely hang. And the games in San Diego, I think there'll be a hidden home court edge. They, The fans in San Diego will back the underdog here. New Mexico State, Fezzik likes them. I also like New Mexico State plus the points here. And let's talk about that injury to Clemson, Grantham being out. Specifically, it hurts Clemson on the offensive end of the floor. And where's Clemson really struggled against the dynamic defensive teams that they faced down the stretch without Grantham. And believe it or not, New Mexico State, as an elite defense, Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency ratings has New Mexico State as the number 14 defense in the country, like New Mexico State plus five. I do want to mention this, Fez, because you and I talked before the show. 
This is a 12-5 matchup, so New Mexico State might be a popular 12-5 outright upset. 10, 15 years ago, this number isn't five, is it? No, 10, 15 years ago, you're probably catching seven on this game. I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to pass on this game. Here's my problem. I watched this New Mexico State team play St. Mary's in a non-conference game, got whipped by 18. Saw him play another West Coast Conference team in San Diego at home, lost the game. So I'm like, eh, you know, and they have a first-year head coach there. I think the WAC is the worst conference in college basketball. Seattle, Grand Valley, Chicago State, these teams are terrible. They beat Seattle by a whopping five points in their conference tournament. Um, you know, it's hard to make what what heads or tails of this New Mexico State because their schedule is so bad. Obviously, they piled up a wins. I, I think we can all agree if they didn't win their conference tournament, they wouldn't even be in the NIT. I mean, I guess they would because technically you go to the NIT for winning your conference. But they're, no one's talking about them as a top 60, you know, 50 program. So I don't know. I do think the Grantham injury is big. Clemson hasn't played great since, but I'm going to pass on this game. I can't get that picture of St. Mary's absolutely waxing this team out of my head. Next game, final Friday game. Dave Eschler with his second of six big bets. Bye. So every one of the best bets is Thursday. Mm. Ooh, wait. All right. Here Here's it is. mine. This is yours. Charleston, game. yeah. Oh, wow. Well, let's go with Eschler first, and then we'll see what Mr. Matty Holt has to say. This is the College of Charleston and Auburn. Uh, the next one that I find really interesting is uh, Auburn and College of Charleston. Auburn opened 11 and a half, uh, which is probably about where I thought it would be. But, you know, it's already down to Auburn minus 10. One of the things, you know, this is, again, it's a bet, it's a bet on COC for sure, but it's also a bigger bet against Auburn. You know, they faded down the stretch. They lost three of five. They got crushed by Alabama. I know that's a rivalry, but uh, the big thing to me there is this sort of losing streak can coincided with them losing Macklemore, who who was a great defender, 20 minutes a game, lots of blocks. Uh, and since he's out, Auburn has given up 80 points a game, uh, and you just can't win that way. Um, Auburn is young. Auburn is fast. Uh, I think they're getting tired. We've talked about that week after week. And the other thing, if you if you look back at Bruce Pearl's Tennessee days, uh, this sort of start fast Finish slow, finish slow uh, is not a new phenomenon. College of Charleston used to play in up-tempo teams. You know, they, William and Mary plays fast. They beat them two out of three times. Uh, they beat uh, Wilmington twice. And the only time they lost to William and Mary was in overtime, and, and Nick Harris, their best inside defender, was out. Uh, Charleston's experience, they don't turn it over. Uh, again, it's a matchup issue. Uh, nobody in the SEC plays remotely like the College of Charleston. Uh, and another big thing for me is this game's in San Diego. College of Charleston did some traveling. They played at Wichita. They played in Anchorage. Uh, they they had Rhode Island on the ropes uh, in Rhode Island. Uh, Auburn hasn't been west of Texas all season. Uh, so I, I like College of Charleston to maybe pull a surprise here, but to certainly stay within the number. Okay. So, Maddie Holt, agree? I absolutely agree. This is my favorite bet by far on Friday. College of Charleston. There's still some ten and a halfs out there. Grab them if you can. I don't know that they'll be there by Friday. 
you know, you have to have a backcourt. We talk about it in the pace and space era of college basketball that you have to have guards, and they have two of the best guards in mid-major college basketball in Grant Ryler and Joe Chaney here in the backcourt. They have three players that average over 17 points a game, all three of them at least a junior. This team is really experienced. They were supposed to be here. They've won, what, 13 out of 14 now, just playing unbelievable down the stretch. The only loss in the season finale against William & Mary in a complete throwaway game. This is one of the most underrated um, mid-major teams in the conference. And to show that they were on the radars, people's radar about how talented they were before the season, I made a bet on this team at 5,000 to 1 to, to win the national championship, which I am probably very likely going to be throwing in the trash. But it just shows that they were so talented that I thought there was some value at 5,001 to win the national championship. This team is loaded. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Auburn outright here as a 13 seed beating the number four. Boy, when do you start earning, when do you start hedging out on a 5,001? If they make the Sweet 16. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe before yeah. that, right? <laughs> All right. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I also like Charleston here. And, and Matt just t- talked about uh, Charleston being underrated. I think the, the main handicap for me is overrated Auburn, one of the most overrated teams in the country, especially since Macklemore, their shot blocker, their rim protector, has went out of the lineup. One in five against the spread their last six games. Market's not totally adjusting for it because they look, oh, Macklemore, he only averaged seven points Only because Bryce Brown came back. So, yes. yeah. So you look at Auburn. Here's also a team hasn't been to the NCAA tournament since 2003 and now laying near double digits. How are they going to handle that along with making a unique travel trip all the way to the West Coast like Charleston plus the nine and a half. Agree with the boys here. I like the dog as well. Situation. We got the SEC regular season champion Auburn. I could make a case they're not even one of the three best teams in the SEC. Tennessee and Kentucky are much better. And I think even Florida, who isn't that good, might be better. Wow, what a Friday, what a Friday. Last question on this game, bracket picking. Now, guys, obviously we like what we do, but we don't say, oh, this is the best thing ever. For about almost 10 years now, I've been doing my 14 bracket picking tips. And what I got is history since 1985, starting on Thursday, there's 64 teams since 85. And it tells you amazing stuff like, Double-digit seeds in the Final Four. There's only been four of them since... Better make sure I'm going by memory there. I'm almost sure that's right. Four of them since actually 1979. We're actually going all the way back to when seedings began with that number. And so you're thinking, oh, yeah, I think this team's going to do well. Okay, but if they are a double-digit seed and you expect them to make the Final Four... Well, you better know you're bucking a massive amount of history. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but you better know you're doing it. And literally, there's 14 of them that interesting. I mean, here's one that blows my mind. This will be the last one, and then you guys got to go check and read it. Yeah, it's four of 156 Final Four teams since 79 have been a double-digit seed. Check this out. The Final Four has included exactly one or two number one seeds. So not zero, not three, not four. One or two. 26 of 33 years. Now, what percentage of brackets have three or four? And four is a little goofy, but three number ones. I'd say probably 30% of brackets. And history tells you very unlikely. So that kind of stuff, it won't tell you who to pick. tell you who not to pick. And really, go to at RJ in Vegas. I've tweeted that out. And to me, it's very valuable. Um, That said, 
is this a rare example of a double? I mean, do you guys like College of Charleston enough that this could be like a a, a pick in a bracket? Well, I do think, you know, and this is one of the tips I always give people, too. If you're going to pick a double-digit seed in the first round, don't pick them unless you think they can also win their next round game as well. But here we have a situation where College of Charleston beats Auburn, which I think they can in this game. They match up tremendously well with the winner of New Mexico State or Clemson. In fact, I would go on record saying, I think according to my power rankings, they will actually be a one or two point favorite over New Mexico State in the second round. So you're talking about a team that at worst is probably going to be a pick em in a second round game against New Mexico State probably catching five or less in a second round game against Clemson. So they certainly have a chance of at least winning the second round. You get to the sweet 16. So Matt, your approach is if you pick an upset, feel good. They're going to win in the next round. That You shouldn't pick a double digit team 11 or worse in the first round, unless you think they can also win their second game in the first round, 11 or worse or 10 or worse, 11 or worse. Okay. So, I've actually thought the opposite in a weird way. I've always been inclined to pick upsets if I think no matter who wins the game I'm picking, if someone's going to beat them the next game, it's like you're you're picking an upset without a lot of risk. But the problem is if you take in a, a 13 seed over a four and that four wins, now that four wins again and again. You're oh, not, and, and that yeah. was the point I was making is who is I think we're both right in that if you're playing a real powerhouse in the next round, so let's say you're picking to play, let's say... Which is the only the 10 or less. Well, in the first round, but let's yeah. say as you move towards meeting the Sweet 16, if there's like a clear best team in the country, like Kentucky was a few years ago, the pick to who's going to play them in the Sweet 16 isn't as impactful because Kentucky's probably going to beat either of them and thus maybe be a little looser. That was, But your approach is coming at it from a, an opposite direction. One last tip on these... Brackets, and this is a great tip, as you'll appreciate this. How many people are you competing against? The more people you compete against, the more upsets you need to pick. There's nobody in the world, well, I'm going to make an exception. If you let me pick the lower-seeded favorites, okay, so in the, or the worst-seeded favorites. So this year there's only one team, I think it's Butler, if I'm remembering, that's a, uh, a worse seeded favor. If you let me pick either the better seed or the favorite, I will go head to head against anyone in the world because that other person is actually betting against Vegas. And thus I'll take the, as Maddie Holt shows, cause you should see the car he drives. I'll, I'd rather be Vegas. And Brad powers and I laid out this entire concept in a video today. That's up on uh, pregame.com. Did you attribute me? Oh, we didn't quote you, <laughs> but it matches your content completely. Well, and again, I knew you'd appreciate that meta stuff. You can get all their videos, pregame TV. Just go to YouTube slash pregame TV, search for pregame TV if you want, or as Fez said on the pregame.com homepage. Okay, guys, we've got Maddie's best. Oh, no, we got Brad's best bet. We got Fezzik's best bet. We got Dave Esler's best bet. And the entire Thursday card coming up. I'm going to let the boys stretch your legs. We're going to be a little more as fast paced as we try to be. We're going to be a little more fast paced in the second half. We've got one and one only commercial break. Boys are going to stretch your legs. I didn't need to say I was 14. March Madness time. And if there's any time you're looking for a good out, March Madness is probably right up there. It's officially begun. 
And one of the sponsors at Podcast One and the Dream Preview is a Podcast One. And we're proud to be podcast, biggest podcast aggregator platform in the world. We're happy to be on. And Bet DSI is a sponsor. The brackets are finalized and it's time to pick the Cinderella team. Who's going to win it all? Go to BetDSI.com and check out all the matchups. Complete head-to-head in the bracket challenge for your chance to take home guaranteed prizes and a chance to win $1 million. BetDSI is a really well-regarded online sports book. They've been in the business over 20 years. They're top-rated at many review sites. They've got a fast-playing and easy-to-use interface. You can bet the games in-game as you go, and you've got all the props, customer service 24-7-365, and a reputation they built for fast payouts on winnings. If you're going to win, you might as well get paid. Now, here's where the special comes in. Get a free bracket entry and a $25 NCAA tournament bet just for registering. Doesn't cost anything to register. You're going to get a free roll in the tournament, free roll on the 25. You know what I used to say? Get someone to give you $25. See how hard that is. (laughs) Now, if you do deposit, you'll get 200% member bonus. And more bracket contest entries if you decide you want to deposit. So here's the special promo code. Bell Madness. It's all one word. B-E-L-L Madness. M-A-D-N-E-S-S. Bell Madness. Hey, March Madness is not the time to sit on the sidelines. Use promo code Bell Madness and start winning today. That's betdsi.com. A sponsor with Podcast One. And we got our old friends at True Car. These days... News travels lightning fast, which is great if you're a sports fan. Between status updates, breaking news notifications, and Twitter feeds, my favorite's at RJ in Vegas, you can always be up to the minute on every team and every game. While this is great for sports, it's the opposite when it comes to buying a car. Go online and you're bombarded with numbers, invoices, list prices, dealer prices. It's hard to know how to recognize a good price. They're trying to fool you. How do you know it's a fugazi? It's a fake. Yeah, I know what a fugazi is. It's not a problem anymore. Introducing True Price from True Car. It's the only price you need to know because it's exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories. How do you know if a True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. So if you want like a Lamborghini, Fez, do you have a Lamborghini? They, the boys just came back. Lamborghini? Not yet. What do you drive? Mercedes. Ah, there you go. If you want a Merce- <laughs> if you want to drive Fezic's car, you can know exactly what you should pay for it. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true prices competitively so they can win your business. Information is power. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. And you know what I always say. That means if it is available in your state, take advantage. Now it's Thursday and you won't believe it. When Fez 
and Maddie came walking in. You know, we've all, or most people know the word chagrined. What does chagrin means? It means people are making you feel like something you want or something you do probably isn't the right thing to do. Fez, it can get harassed. I mean, like there's going to be over a hundred thousand people that listen to this and Fezzik still on the break was harassing Maddie about the limits. <laughs> I mean, this guy, it's it just, hey, you can only say one thing. I'm the dirtiest player in the game. All right. Thursday. <laughs> True or false, Maddie? True. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, about that we don't get, you know, the hours of operation. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. You won't let me pick off these bad lines at four in the morning. Can't get comped for winning when I'm betting against them. Yeah. <laughs> Alabama, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech opening line favored by two and a half. Matt, uh, Brett. Yeah, I'm going to lean with Virginia Tech here. And I originally wanted to take Alabama, but I'm a little bit worried with Alabama. A little bit beat up. Their forward Hall missed the last game against Kentucky. A no-show for Alabama. The Crimson Tide get beat by 20-plus in that game. Colin Sexton, no question, the best player in this game. But is Alabama a little bit tired? Because Bama does have the better defense, better strength of schedule. Virginia Tech's the much more rested team here. They got knocked out early as far as the ACC tournament against Notre Dame. Lean on Virginia Tech here against a very tired Alabama team. I'm rolling with Brad again on this one. All of a sudden, we're uh, we seem to be living on the same island here. Uh, look, one of the big things to me is 16 and a half assists per game for Virginia Tech, including their great point guard Justin Robinson. He's really dynamic here. And one of the things that worries about me is a 17 and a half percent turnover percentage for Alabama in their freshman sensation point guard Colin Sexton. I'm willing to dismiss the last Alabama loss as a fatigue issue. Three games, three days, including a big comeback and a really critical win they needed to get in the NCAA tournament. So I can dismiss the loss to Kentucky to fatigue. But this is one of those teams that tends to get a lot of steals, six and a half steals per game for Alabama. But they also commit a lot of fouls. Virginia Tech really good from the free throw line, and they don't turn the ball over a lot here. I think that favors the Hokies. I know Alabama is the hot and sexy team now, but I'm going to go with Virginia Tech as well. Let me ask you a question, man. You're the vice president at CG Technology, biggest bookmaker in Nevada. How do you have time to, like, uh, do you need to know this stuff? Like, because I get you probably enjoy the idea that you want to jump in there and say, oh, yeah, let's get be a little lopsided and, you know, lay three and a half, make it three and a half instead of four. But it's like you don't have to do that, right? No, but I listen, I get asked at least and this at least 10 times a week. No joke on Twitter, on radio, by people. I want to be in the industry. How do you get in the industry and how do you get to an executive level in the industry? Number one, you have to love the industry. It's easy to do research. It's easy to do work when you love what you're doing. I love it. I've never worked a day since I graduated college in any other industry and I never will. I absolutely love it. And when you love going to work, you don't mind pounding out 70, 75 hours. Work harder than everyone else. Work in an industry you love and you can get to the top. I think you're all in the head. We're 10 hours from the fun park and you want to bail out. (laughs) (laughs) That was inspiring. So I'm going to, again, we do have a nice audience. I'm going to put you on the spot, Maddie. I think right when the Supreme court comes out, whenever that is that next week, you and I do a good 90 minute, the future sports betting pod. Cause of all the bookmakers I've talked to in Vegas, you're the guy that can operate effectively in Nevada, but you also have a vision beyond that. What do you think? Absolutely. I'm in. All right. It's going to be a good 90 minutes. I, I think so. And I'll be listening a lot. Let's continue on this game. 
the Eileen Devatek also, they were up 15 against the Irish in a game the Irish need like blood, and they just fell asleep in that game. So now they're fully rested and in a good spot to have a maximum effort. And that's a good value aspect. A game they were dominating. Just they, they had Virginia Tech a bad five minutes. Notre Dame got really hot from behind the arc. And Alabama got all this love. Colin Sexton doesn't go length for length, floor to floor uh, at the buzzer against Texas A&M. Alabama's not even playing in this tournament game. So they don't beat Texas A&M. They don't get a quality win over Auburn. They're in the NIT, not in the NCAA. That's why there's value on Virginia Tech. Matt, or Fez, let me ask you a question. When... Maddie and Brad go on a team and you're last. You always seem to lean towards the way they like. Check out the brain on Brad. <laughs> now, so, I mean, how much of this is is you're just kind of saying, why would I buck this versus having a true lane? No, I had a lean. <laughs> Although, <laughs> Wait, curiously, think, it, is, it isn't written on my sheet of paper here. <laughs> Next game. Uh-oh. This is Mr. Dave Esler's best bet. Oklahoma, Rhode Island. Mm. Anyone else with a best bet on this one? I have a like. All right. Well, let's start with the best bet. By the way, Brad, I'm because you are the uh, really our anchor when it comes to college basketball, and you put the work in, baby. Is I'm saving the blossom theme on the best bet for your best bet. Thank you. RJ. That's, that's that special. means a lot. Let me tear my eye. Means a lot to me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I do like blossom, Dave Esler. And uh, my free best bet is. The aforementioned Rhode Island Rams opened a pick, and now it's Rhode Island minus two uh, over Oklahoma. Uh, and that should almost tell you all you need to know, Oklahoma being basically a super public team all year with Trey Young. But but I think Trey Young's to their detriment. You know, Rhode Island, Rhode Island plays serious defense. And just like we looked at some of the other games, uh, it's about the matchups and teams that play physical as Rhode Island does beat the Sooners, you know, Texas, K-State, Baylor. Alabama in a non-conference game, and I don't think that game was even close. And, and the thing about planning for Oklahoma, you really only got to plan for Trey Young. And this kind of surprised me. You know, Young took 266 free throws, which that wouldn't surprise me. But Rashad Williams was second on the team with only 76. I mean, that, that surprised me. Young took twice as many field goal attempts and twice as many three-point attempts as anyone on the team. So, so yeah, you stop Trey Young. You stop Oklahoma, uh, and I think Rhode Island would do that. I don't trust Lon Kruger. They came in as a 10 seed back in 2013, knocked out by San Diego State, another team that plays defense. So, you know, there's a pattern. And I look back, and, and teams that beat Kruger teams are those exact teams. And, of course, Oklahoma, yeah, they're a little bit more rested, uh, but they're just not used to winning anymore. They're 4-11 and 11 since, since January, and, and I just don't see them getting up, period. Uh, Rhode Island last year, they'll draw on some experience. They, uh, they went to Sacramento uh, and beat Creighton in round one and almost beat a very good Oregon team in round two. Uh, so I think here that Rhode Island gets it done over Oklahoma. Best bet from Dave Vassler. You agree, Brad? I do not. Oh, and believe it or not, you've been listening straight out of Vegas. You've been listening to these podcasts. I've been fading Oklahoma left and right for the last two months. Here's a team that I've had much lower in my power ratings than the AP polls, than the selection committee with the reveal a month ago. I think there's been great value, obviously, betting against Oklahoma. But I think it's finally caught up in the marketplace. I think it's out there that Oklahoma doesn't deserve to be in the tournament. I agree they don't, but I like the matchup here. Because of the rest factor. What was the problem with Oklahoma down the stretch? Trey Young's tired. Uh, and now he's had more than a week off. 
And now all the talk about Oklahoma's overrated. They don't deserve to be here. Oklahoma hasn't won a road game in their last 10, hasn't covered a road game Oklahoma in their last 10 games. That's all getting priced in the marketplace against a Rhode Island team that I think is the tired team here. Rhode Island just got done playing on Sunday, went wire to wire in the conference championship game. I didn't like the current the, the opening number of pick'em. That's right where my power rating is at. But now getting Oklahoma plus two, I like the Sooners. Wowza, wowza. So that made some sense to me that but, hey, if the problem was fatigue, that the big rest is going to help. How big of a problem was fatigue? So as you thought, Maddie, about Oklahoma's drop-off, how much was fatigue? How much was other things? I think it's easy to blame it on fatigue, and, and partially some of that might be the freshmen. But there came a point in the season, too, where Trey Young taking 35 shots a game affected everyone else's ability to get involved in the offense. And what happened in this offense, and most experts that watch this team says, Trey Young shoots a ball more than anybody else in college basketball, and there's four other guys standing around watching him do it, and that makes them ineffective. And we already knew he was a bad defender to start. Um, I, I, some of it could be fatigue, but some of it's just one player taking too many shots, AKA Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma city never wins either. Yeah. And I just can't get past the fact. And Brad said it 10 games away from home, 10 straight up losses. You want to go ahead and bet on this team because they're a little more well-rested. Clearly there's a problem with this team when they get away from Oklahoma. And do you lean or like, Rhode Island, Maddie. Eileen, Rhode Island, and the biggest factor for me is that Oklahoma turns the ball over so much. Almost 15.5% of the time they turn the ball over, and on the other side, Rhode Island averaging seven and a half steals per game. If you start turning the ball over for easy baskets against this Rhode Island team, whose defense already only allows 67.5 points per game, this one could get ugly real quick. I, I will say one thing. Uh, I was doing Ken Thompson's show on Monday, and he had the Oklahoma State play-by-play announcer, and we asked him about every you know team in the Big 12 break down their chances in the NCAA tournament, and the Oklahoma State play-by-play announcer, who called Oklahoma's last game they played against Oklahoma State, said it looked like Oklahoma checked out. Anyone that was there said this team has checked out on the season. They didn't want to be there. If that's the case, I'm going to have a losing bet here on Oklahoma plus two. Now, where does like a, a one and done, are, are we pretty sure Young's one and done? Yes. Yep. Okay. Where does the one and done go with the last hurrah, right? Because we're thinking, because to Think me. Think Ben Simmons a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's ago. what I'm LSU thinking. I'm thinking they're, to not, be... they're not there long enough to even kind of create a sense anyone wants to play hard for them on the way out the door. Right. So, I mean, Ben Simmons and LSU didn't even make the NCAA tournament, and they not only had Ben Simmons, they had another All-American freshman they brought in the same time. Some of those teams just don't gel. And Trey Young's one of those players. He's obviously out for Trey Young. Who's the highest scoring player in the NCAA tournament? Trey Young takes the most shots. I mean, this is the Oklahoma Trey Young's right now, and the other guys don't look too interested in playing with him. Okay, it's time for... Full Sugar Mountain Dew. We're going to finish strong. Brad, are you still? Yeah, no. I, <laughs> hey, I love it. I like, love, yeah, I love no, it. But, I love talking people off stuff. Hey, remember, remember, a loser avoided is more valuable than a winner won. It's down to a lean, a like to lean for me. I, I just, it was very stark because, oh. well, <laughs> I mean, the last 15 games, Oklahoma's always been that play against team as far as a pure power rating. Now, all of a sudden, they're the play on team. I just think the market's overreacted a little bit. And that doesn't mean that's not a true statement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that.
Next game. <laughs> no, I actually, all joking aside, I love someone that will come off a game. I really do. Iona, Duke, Duke favored by 19, Fezzik. This is my derivative bet of the week. Anyone who listens to the football pod knows these are probably what I hit at the highest percentages. Brad Powers has been talking about how Duke, with their zone defense, their games have been going under like crazy. Also, Coach K, when he gets a lead, is the master at taking the air out of the ball. He prides himself on it there. A 19.5 point favorite. I expect Duke to be up double digits at halftime, and we're going to play second half under. Second half under. So, remember, just to be clear, that's going to be a halftime bet. Made at halftime, second half to go under. And I think that's a good discipline for us. If it's a halftime bet, we call it halftime because sometimes there are second half bets where you can bet the second half before the game. Can you do that anywhere in the NCAA tournament? So, Maddie, why why don't – just so wouldn't be enough action? No, there's not. With the with the idea of second half – with halftime bets as well as in play now – the the concept of putting up second halves pregame just the interest wouldn't be there by the general public. But but you have the you've done the work right mm-hmm. because correct me if I'm wrong. If you have a full game total and a first half total, simple arithmetic's giving you the second half, right? Yeah, although in college basketball, because of the fouls and a free throw situation at the end of games, let's say you have a total that's 150, the first half would normally be 70, the second half 80. Exactly, but yeah. if you had, I mean, algebra. One is if you have two of the three variables, mm-hmm. you can, sure, it, yeah. of course. but yeah. it's not even worth putting on the board. There's just not interest. And we'll basically put anything up that there's interest in. Now that's fat. Boy, I, I, I hate not being able to go off a side. It's 30 seconds. Is if someone walked up and said, I want like Fezzik, right? Let's say he's complaining. You find, I'm going to shut this mofo up. Let's not use Fezzik. Uh, Fezzik has that rap of going to the books and complaining. Yeah. So let's use a guy that just. <laughs> Let's use a guy that comes off the crap Peace table. And love. Peace <laughs> I and love that. See, Fez, I told you this a long time. You can try to be nice, but deep down, they know you want to take their money and they don't like you. Yeah, Matty, put up a second half total on this Duke game right now, and I will <laughs> bet it against you. But let's say a guy that comes off the craps table mm-hmm. and he says, Boy, wouldn't it be great if you did X? Chances are X is very likely to happen. Especially if he has alcohol in his breath. And especially if it's easy for us. Hmm. Okay. And especially if he has alcohol. <laughs> all right. Next game. We've got. So we, we're all done with Duke. No, and no. Lean, lean under for me. Full game. Duke unders. Last eight games. Seven and one to the under. The seven unders have gone under the total by an average of nearly 20 points per so game. You, so you've been driving this idea of the zone defense. So the one game that went, because I finally tweeted it, it went over, right? We knew it, is watching that game, was it a sign of the market catching up? Was that the sign of people attacking the defense better, or was it fluky? I don't know if it was fluky. I, the market definitely attacked it. They were that streak was getting priced into the number against Notre Dame. Notre Dame was just gassed. Defense couldn't stop Duke. I mean, t- at all. So I think it's a little fluky because they turned right around Duke in their next game against a very fast-paced North Carolina team, and that game went under the total. So under the total, the to lean for me. And let's statistics zone defense. First uh, 25 games of the season for Duke, they were only playing zone, de- or zone defense about 29% of the time. We said they switched over. 93% of the time, Duke's playing zone defense. And much better defense. No question. I mean, Duke's went from being a top 50, borderline top 50 defense. Last eight games, they're playing like a top five defense in the country. So is if you just look at those eight games, is Duke the best team in the country over the last eight? I wanted to say that, RJ, but they went and lost to North Carolina. and Could have easily lost both games to North Carolina down the stretch. 
They blew, I mean, they had to rally from 13 points down on their home floor on senior night to beat North Carolina and then really weren't in the game against a, should have been a more tired North Carolina team in the ACC tournament. I'm going to pass to save time. Look, I think if the the matchup really favors Duke here. This Iona defense against the Duke offense should mean a lot of points for Duke and not a lot of stops for Iona, but who wants to lay 19 and a half in this spot? I really don't. I'm going to pass. Just to be clear, you're not passing to save time. You don't like anything, and you're not going to jibber-jabber without having a point. Yeah, I'm not going to jibber-jabber without a point. Because <laughs> if you have an opinion, it, yeah, you yeah. just share it. Pennsylvania, Kansas. Someone said, I think it was 538, Penn is the best 16 seed ever. Opening line, KU by 15. Second lowest opening line, right? Second opus. Second lowest opening line for a number 16 seed against the one seed. Ooh, I hadn't seen that. That's interesting. Yeah. Fez, who do you like? I'm going to lay the lumber. I'm going to lay the 14. KU. So it's down to 14. Yes, you can get a 14 the right sheet now. you gave me says 15. I gave you the opening numbers and told you none of the numbers had moved. But some of them, some of them <laughs> but the dirtiest player in the game. How want you to look bad. <laughs> See, that's the yes. thing you got to realize about the dirtiest yeah. player is you want to be on his side. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way it sets up for KU in that, yes, they had to play all their games in their conference tourney, but that tourney was in their state in Kansas. This game's in Wichita, and they're playing an Ivy League team. I know the Ivies have had some success, but this Penn team does not shoot well from threes. They only hit 35% for the year, and frankly, I get a number one seed, even if they shouldn't be a number one, and they're only laying 14 in their home, absolutely. And also, I know that the committee, not just the committee, but that the tournament itself is somewhat corrupt. I will get all the calls going my way with KU if they're struggling a little bit. I've seen this animal before. There's no way that the, the the tournament wants a number one seed like Kansas, a blue blood, sells lots of tickets to have any trouble and have any chance of losing this game. I've seen a prop floating around. Any 16 seed winning, 12 to 1. Any value? Twelve though. I think Ooh. ours is better. I can I'm pretty sure our price is I'm getting it right now. I'm pretty sure it's a lot better than twelve. Let me break down while he's looking. Yeah. Kansas, I mean impressive that they won the Big Twelve tournament and the shorthanded Kansas team playing without their big guy, Azubuki, who is back here. I'm not sure that's getting priced accordingly in the power ratings. I agree, Penn should have been a thirteen seed, a fourteen seed. A pure power rating for them has as far as my power ratings, they should be a thirteen or fourteen here. But Vegas is telling you that. That's why Kansas is only laying 14 points here. Slightly in for Kansas, minus 14. I was so impressed with the Jayhawks in that Big 12 tournament. I'm with Brad here. I, I get the fact that uh, Penn might be a little bit better than some of the number 16s that we've seen in the past, but they're not a lot better. And and the Ivy League is way down this year. This was not a good Ivy League. And this Kansas team only got stronger as the year went on. Again, you talk about an experienced point guard in Devontae Graham. Azabuki going to be back for this tournament. This is a really good, well-coached basketball team. I could see this one getting ugly. And look, look at the past couple of years when Kansas gets a number one seed, their first round games. I remember we hung the prop last year. Most points by, scored by any team in the tournament. Over under 97 and a half. Kansas first game put over a buck last year. They have a tendency in these games to really pile it on. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it here. Any closing thoughts? Next game. Seton Hall, NC State. Seton Hall favored by two and a half. I'm going to go ahead and go with NC State here. I think this is a game where Seton Hall, um, 
maybe a month ago, I would have gone with Seton Hall, but they've had so many injuries, including Desi Rodriguez, who's probably going to be back for this game. And they've had three guys that were banged up in the Butler game where they lost by one point. Uh, but the problem here is injuries to me for, for, for Seton Hall. And the fact that, yeah, they're going to have all three guys back. Desi Rodriguez is going to play in this game, but you're not getting 100% Desi Rodriguez. And this is a really good NC State game. Over 16 assists per game. They shoot almost 54% in effective field goal percentage. They don't. They turn the ball over less than 15% uh, per game. They get seven and a half steals a game. This NC State team that wasn't necessarily supposed to be here preseason does a lot of things right. And I think this is a winnable game for them. I'm actually going to pass on this one. This I'll use this as my one of my only one and only pass. Two teams just too inconsistent for me. I you know push comes to shove. I'm going to lean NC State here. My power rings are higher on NC State than most of the market, but they just been way too inconsistent. I've lost too many bets backing NC State down the stretch. Just a tiny lean here to Seton Hall. The opponents are shooting a really really low percentage from threes against NC State, and from everything I read, it says NC State's just been a lucky team, not a good defensive team, and at some point. Their opponents are going to start making those threes. And remember, when Brad says, oh, I lost too many games, it's not, oh, I am superstitious and I wore this green shirt and I lost a poker three times with this shirt. It's saying I don't have a feel for this team. And that's what's weird. You know, they talk about a lot of religious um, rules that if you go back thousands of years or, you know, even a couple thousand that following those rules w- w- was necessary for the health of all the people collectively, but to make them making them religious made it where everyone would follow them is I think there's a lot of things with superstition that actually have, if you dig into it, cause so, it's someone who's listening that says a recreational better. They're like, I've lost three times with team X. I don't want to bet them anymore. That seems superstitious, but really it's, getting you to the right place, which is you don't have a good feel for this yep. team. So I think that was worth noting. Next game, Houston, San Diego State. Opening line, if Fezzik to be trusted, Houston favored by four. Fez, you like this one. Yeah, love San Diego State. Trey Kell, their point guard, great defender. Without him, RJ, this team lost three games in February by 10 or more points, including to our Rebels, who simply aren't that good. This is a totally different team with Trey Kell back. And how much energy did Houston use up in their conference tournament? They played an all-in game against Wichita State. They really wanted to win this title and came down to the final seconds. They lost to Cincinnati by one. Now they've got short rest coming into this game. San Diego State's going to win this game. Ooh, that's strong. Strong stuff, but not even your best bet. Not yet. Still to come. Yeah, I lean with San Diego State as well. Who's playing better basketball right now as far as these lower-level conference teams in San Diego State? Last nine games, 9-0 straight up, 8-1 against the number. Two wins over Nevada, what we perceive to be one of the better, I would say, group of five if we're talking football here, one of the better not non-Power 5 conference teams. So you look at them, they're last, one of their last two games of the season, up 30 against a legitimate Nevada team at halftime and beat a red-hot New Mexico team. I like San Diego State a lot. think Houston's tired. San Diego State plus the four is the pick. Put me back on the island. I'm on Houston here. And look, there's just some numbers that really stand out to me. This Houston team playing in a team in a conference with such good defensive teams as Wichita State and Cincinnati. 
plus 12 and a half uh, scoring margin, shooting 54% for the season despite playing so many tough defensive teams. And you talk about defensive teams. How about the job Kelvin Sampson has done with this Houston defense, holding opponents to 46% or less shooting on the season in an opponent's effective field goal percentage? This is a really strong defensive team for Houston. Two scorers that average over 18 a game. Jonathan Gray, when he gets hot, is unbelievable. Yes, they did look a little bit fatigued in the finale against Cincinnati, but they lost by one point to a number two seed. They played Cincinnati and Wichita State three times apiece, and they've beat them both this year. I know San Diego State's red hot. It's easy to jump on board. Malik Pope got his eligibility cleared. Everyone's, that seemed to make a difference in the Aztecs as well. But I'm going to go ahead and lay the four here, which I think is a little bit cheap with the Houston Cougars. I love the contradiction. Because especially if you have people who handicap together and you'll get like Brad and Fez handicapping together a bunch, what ends up happening is they start thinking like each other. And I'm not saying it happens fully or and not that these guys don't try not to do it because I think they realize it's a trap. But the line is for here for a reason. Half the people like the favorite or about or half like the dog. If it was real lopsided line, be moving. Right. So people aren't betting the heck out of the dog here for a reason. There's a reason to like Houston. I don't know who's right here, but having someone willing to be contrary and Maddie, you're just naturally contrary. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. I love and I love you come at it from a not only from behind the counter, but a different perspective. Great addition. And by the way, it's one of the things I love that we have up at the site. Pregame.com. I love that. Is the forums. We have literally hundreds of people posting and you've got experts pretty much on every team and a lot of diversion opinion, right? So if you like to read and or contribute to people's takes on a game, uh, a community and have literally tens of thousands of people reading it, check out the pregame.com forums in the tournament's a great time to dip your toe. Next game. Michigan, Montana. Speaking of Maddie, I texted him today and I said, so Brad, how many teams are there in Division One? 351. So I said, amongst the 351 teams, how many, if they win this tournament, will you guys have a net loser at CG Technology on the future book? Two. Mm. So 349 teams, if they would have won, you would have won. And two... You lose. Yes. <laughs> and they were a three seed and a four seed. You ever wonder why I call them the dastardly rookies? <laughs> <laughs> and one of those teams is Michigan. Michigan, yes. And Arizona. Yep. Michigan, the most public teams. Michigan. And you were mentioned like a Duke or whatever you're saying, as much as people think they're public, their odds are usually depressed enough you're not going to get hurt. So what is the anatomy of a team that will hurt you. They have to be 15 to one or better, normally 20 to one or better during the season. Um, and they have to be really popular for Arizona's sake, a preseason so they- a team that was a, a moderate to even bigger long shot that got a bunch of batting and they're much better than we thought they were. Correct. And that's Michigan for sure. Yeah. In Arizona, we have a regional bias to there. There's so many Arizona fans here, the PAC 12 tournaments here. And because of all the, uh, 
you know, allegations and everything else that went on with uh, Sean Miller, Alonzo Trier's eligibility, DeAndre Ayton's eligibility. Arizona's line actually stayed fairly high. Then you have get flooded by Arizona fans for the Pac-12 tournament. And, you know, it, they they were never less than 15 to 1 during the Pac-12 tournament, 15, 20 to 1. And we just got inundated with Arizona futures action then. So in this game, the opening line, Michigan favored by 11 and a half. Fez. And I like Michigan. You know, 10 days ago, Michigan had just beaten Michigan State. And right after uh, on Saturday night, Brad and I at midnight ran out and bet Michigan at 40 to 1 to increase poor Maddie's liability on them. And we said, this team's as good as anyone right now, the way they're playing. And I got to kudos to Brad, uh, John Beeline, literally one of the best postseason coaches. And now they're playing a team that in their conference turning, they're playing a bad conference. They did not have the lead at halftime in all their conference tourney games. I just don't see how they can hang with Michigan. And I'm going to make it at least unanimous so far. Lean with Michigan here. You look at the Wolverines. Defense has not been their forte under John Beeline. Last 10 years, average defensive ranking, number 73. More known for their offense. But this year, they have Michigan, a top five defense. That makes them a true national title contender, in my opinion. You look at Michigan well-rested. Obviously, almost two weeks off after winning the Big Ten tournament. Just the, the better team that, that's been underpriced in the market. Don't believe me? Michigan 18-7 and seven against the number last 25 games. Legitimate top 10 team. And so, what also has been a staple under the John Beeline era is not turning the basketball over. Michigan only turns the basketball over 12.2% of the time. One of the best here in the NCAA tournament field. They just don't turn it over. Interestingly enough, both teams' opponents' effective field goal percentage, 48.3. So they're basically both really good at holding opponents to shooting under 50%. So, Brad, you have shared the coach of Michigan's record in postseason. Somehow Fezzik lifted it with no attribution. But can you give us the specific numbers on that? All postseason. We're talking any tournament, conference tournament, NIT, NCAA 57 and 31, specifically NCAA tournament. That's his entire career? Entire career, whether it's West Virginia, Michigan, any place he's been, John Beeline in the NCAA tournament, 20 and 9 against the spread. Mighty good, mighty good. That's Brad Powers with that information. Brad Powers, I'm glad you not caught Steve Fezzik. Yeah, I I missed that. You were really onto that. He got that in. He is. He's I so- am just. I am humbled to be on a college podcast with Brad Powers, who knows these teams so much more than I do. No, he he grinds. There's no doubt about it. He makes up for it with his being uninformed in the professional sports. But Absolutely. Hey. <laughs> but a Socrates said, "If you know what you don't know, you know a lot." Next game, Loyola. Miami of Florida and Mr. Dave Esler with one of his likes on this game. Another game I really like, and and I think uh, Fezzik agrees with this. I I saw a video that he did is uh, Loyola over Miami. Uh, Miami opened minus two and a half, and and that is kind of a red flag there. Miami, the Hurricanes over Loyola, Chicago. Well, it's down to two. I think this is Miami's most vulnerable team in in probably five years. Uh, They didn't play anyone Uh, In pre-ACC play, uh, aside from maybe New Mexico State was the best team they played, and they did not beat New Mexico State. My big knock on the Canes is their youth. Uh, They got a freshman point guard, Chris Likes. He can get in foul trouble, uh, and he's all of five foot seven. Uh, Miami's got the length. Uh, If they don't pound it inside and they get three-point happy, they're going to lose this game. 
Uh, Miami can't shoot free throws. Loyola shoots 40% from behind the arc. That negates Miami's length. If Loyola goes inside, they shoot 56%. And I don't care who you are or who you play with those kind of numbers. Uh, that, that That's pretty impressive. Uh, Miami, again, it's all about matchups. Miami will match up better against a team uh, that they can slow down, i.e. North Carolina Duke. Uh, I think that Loyola is going to slow them down. Miami had a big finish. What did they do? They beat Notre Dame without Colson, BC, and Virginia Tech. Loyola won at Florida. The game's in Dallas, uh, which is a one-day drive from Loyola. They all go, they all go, well go down there, uh, certainly more than the Canes will. Uh, I love their experience over Miami's youth in crunch time. Uh, so I think Miami might be in real trouble here. Dave Esler likes fading Miami. Fez. This is my best bet, RJ. Oh, wow. Loyola, Chicago. They're going to win this one outright. Miami is overrated. Miami is 4-4 four and four to finish the year. All four wins by three or fewer points. They easily could have finished the year 2-6. and six. And Loyola, with their point guard, Custer back, is 17-1 and one straight up. All 17 wins by four or more points. They only lost by two points at Bradley. And when both their starting guards start, RJ, they are 20-1 and one straight up, including, as Dave mentioned, a win at Florida. They only lost by two points undervalued Loyola. Fezzik's the number one gambler right now. Mm. <laughs> well, he's best bet. He, he wasn't quick enough on the draw to even tell us which one was his best bet. You got to give him something. Yeah, I thought we were supposed to raise two hands, Fez. You were only raising one. Didn't you Fezzik's get the number one gambler right now. Hey, Bill Simmons says Fezzik's the number yeah. one gambler. You believe that, Matty? Uh, Fezzik's the number one gambler right now. <laughs> 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 I agree, disagree. We got two on it. Yeah. I think this number has gotten a little cheap, though, is the problem here for me. This feels like a game that in past years would have been five and a half, and, and now we're laying two or one and a half. We're, and we're headed to pick them in this thing. Everyone's betting Loyola. This isn't a secret. The secret's out. Everyone's on one side. I, I kind of want to bet Loyola, but it, two things worry me here. 17.2% of the time, Loyola turns the ball over. That's one of the worst in the NCAA tournament. And the worst of, of the teams I looked at in the NCAA tournament, they only grab offensive rebounds 18.5% of the time. That's terrible. Most teams average 29 to 33 as far as terms of offensive rebound percentage. So they can get dominated on the glass. Miami's more athletic. And they turn the ball over a bunch. You get, you know, you give a team like Miami easy baskets. I think there's a lot of great cases to be made by on Loyola, but I'm going to pass because they have a couple of stats that really scare me. Yeah, I'm leaning with Loyola, not a like for me. I mean, let's give some respect to Miami's head coach, Jim Laranega, who has had great success in the NCAA tournament, leading George Mason of all teams to the Final Four. So I think we're kind of a little bit disrespect towards him. And again, it's priced all this Loyola Chicago being great. I think it's priced in the number. Obviously, five, six years ago, an ACC team, an upper level ACC team would have been easily laying five or six, one and a half, two here. I think uh, obviously the news is out that Loyola Chicago is a real deal. And I think this is where power ratings come in. Yep. Right. So what is your pure, as in the idea of foundationally, where should this be? And then let's account for other things. What's your power ratings? 2.3 for Miami. So right now at the one and a half line where you can find one and a half, it says the lean should be Miami as far as a pure power rating. Yeah. Mine was 2.75. These guys don't mess around. They go to the hundred. (laughs) I'm just happy to be within a half a point. Seven games to go, including blossom and Brad in one best bet. But 
Tennessee, Wright State, Tennessee favored by 13. Brad. Well, I, Wright State, I think, really benefited from Horizon League that's really gotten pathetic over the years. They lost Valpo, one of the, the, the better programs in that league. And kudos to them. They won their conference championship game against, what, the eight-seed Cleveland State benefited lost from. Lost Loyola Chicago. Yep. And uh, the lost Butler uh, yes. from yeah, several years ago. Not the same league as 10 years ago. So when you see a team come on a horizon, totally different conference. Brad, has has Maddie told you about on Christmas Eve when he was watching Wright State? <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> That's all right. I like it, actually. I like that a lot. Uh, here, here's where I think there's some value. I'm going to lean with the under here because if there's one thing Wright State does do well, it's defend. They have a top 60 defense as far as efficiency. Meanwhile, their opponent, Tennessee, a top five defense in terms of efficiency. If Wright State's going to have any chance, they're going to have to slow the tempo down here. I think Tennessee's last couple games going over in the SEC tournament creates a little bit of value here on the under. Tennessee team a little bit banged up, too. We saw a player go down with a potential uh, concussion protocol injury. Um, you know, in, in the championship game. So there, there's some issues there with Tennessee being a little banged up. Wright State's had to deal with some injuries themselves this year. Uh, it's certainly a game I'm not looking to play. Under the total seems like probably the most tempting option for me as well. Under the total may well make sense. Wright State may have a big problem adjusting in their conference tourney. They played three teams that were all rated worse than the 200th best team in the country. Now they get to play SEC athletes. Next game. Florida has the plan. Remember, Brad at Brad Power 7 will be putting out handicaps on that. Texas Tech, Stephen F. Austin, opening line, Tech by 10.5. Brad. I'll lean with Texas Tech here. I think Texas Tech's a little undervalued. Why? Keenan Evans missed, or at least wasn't 100% for about four games. I would, I think Texas Tech, if he's healthy all those games, would have won the Big 12. They would have, Texas Tech would have ended Kansas's reign as the Big 12 championship. Keep in mind, before that injury to Keenan Evans, they were up, what, two games on Kansas in the league? That injury for that four or five game stretch where Texas Tech was one and four created some value in the marketplace. Lean Texas Tech here minus the points, but I'll be looking to play and have a lot more likes on Texas Tech as we get to the second round and the Sweet 16 round. I think this is a dangerous team making Elite Eight, Final Four type uh, uh, run here. I was leaning to the underdog. Uh, Stephen Austin has hung in there against decent teams at Mississippi State, at Missouri. They've shown that they can hang in there with some better quality of competition. What a job Chris Beard has done over there, uh, Texas Tech. I mean, unbelievable. They lose Zach Smith, the senior power forward, who I thought was so critical to this team, and they lose him early, like in uh, early December. Still no problems. Keenan Evans missed several games with an injury, came back, was hobbling through a couple um, and they just still find ways to win. He just really gets the most out of his players. I'm so impressed. I don't want to get in front of them right now. The one thing you have to like about Stephen F. Austin, although they're not as good as they have been recently, or especially under the Brad Underwood era, um, is they have experience in the NCAA tournament. Next game, four games left. And Brad Power's best bet is this one? Yes. Who dog. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. You know, way back like in the 1890s, someone suggested the patent office be closed because everything that could have ever been invented, <laughs> they thought had been invented. Well, there's been people trying to sell pics and give information for a long time. 
No one's ever thought of using Blossom <laughs> for best. So innovations are just there if you just keep working at it. Best bet, Brad. Best bet. Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm probably going to be more with the public on this game. I'm not afraid, though. Kentucky minus five is my best bet. Why is there value on Kentucky? This is a Kentucky team that I think obviously is peaking. Why? They're the youngest team in the country. You'd have to excuse them for struggling in January and February. Calipari, the coach, even said, I didn't know how to coach his team. I mean, we've got a bunch of six freshmen here that are top six players. Now he's putting them in the right position. Where do you see it? On the offensive end, offensive spacing's a lot better. Last eight games, they went from averaging 33% from behind the arc. Last eight games, 45%. Last eight games, 7-1 and one straight up, 7-1 and one against the spread. Average cover by 12 points per game. Full season stats say Kentucky's probably the 25th best team in the country. Last eight games, I think they're borderline top 10. Kentucky, the pick here. Also, one other final point. Mr. You, Papa Giorgio, your usual team. <laughs> one, <laughs> one other final point here. Massive situational edge for Kentucky. I think both teams is not an ideal spot. Both played Kentucky and Davidson on Sunday in a conference championship game. They won it. They're traveling across the country in altitude, short rest. That favors Kentucky a lot, in my opinion. They're the much deeper team. Davidson has three players averaged more than 35 minutes a game. Kentucky doesn't have any that average more than 32. The deeper team, the hotter team. Give me Kentucky minus five. Question is when you said... You might not believe this. This seems almost incomprehensible, but I'll be on with the public. Like, what's the the implication is, like, you're always on the sharp side? No, I'm not. Because I... I Mr. Papa Giorgio, your usual team? Yeah, I... (laughs) And if you listen to the football podcast, there's more than once I got hit with Huey. So... (laughs) I've been a Huey victim myself (laughs) on the football (laughs) That drop, do you understand what it's saying? Yes. What does it say? Oh, his. I thought he meant the Huey. No, no, no. What Do you understand this? Mr. Papa Giorgio, your usual team? Uh, I don't even understand one word of that. <laughs> God, I wish it was clear. It's Vegas Vacation. You ever see Vegas yeah, Vacation? Yeah, sure. Chevy Chase. Yeah. Remember Rusty? Yeah. Is Mr. Papa Giorgio? Yeah. And <laughs> this is him at the strip club, and he walks up, and his parents are with him. Mr. Papa Giorgio, your usual team? Oh, can I get you a table? <laughs> yeah. God darn if I could just get that better sound. Yeah. All right. Who agrees? Who disagrees? I agree. Davidson shortened their players that they played midseason because their bench stinks. So now they only basically play seven guys and they got better. But that's going to catch up to them. But doesn't that catch up during a conference tournament more than the NCAA? Shouldn't they? Just In the first it. round? Well, now they're playing against athletes of Kentucky that are so much bigger and stronger than any of the A-10 teams that they had to play against. But wouldn't that mean that to have been rested now, which they are, and having a short rotate? I mean, if they had their eighth or ninth guy against Kentucky, that'd be even worse. Yes. So it seems like maybe in the first round, it's not a disadvantage, but it could be if they have to play on 48 hours rest. It would be probably even more, but I'm worried. Or, they're getting- or do we believe there's a lingering? That's the question. If you play, did they, Davidson play three or four games? They played three. If you play three games in three days. Finish on Sunday. Finish on Sunday and get off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and play Thursday. Are you still tired? In Boise? I mean, it's a tough spot. Maddie. I mean, I want to go with Kentucky, too, here. But, I mean, Davidson's numbers since they've been shooting the ball since January are just unbelievable. Look on the season, 
effective field goal percentage, and they don't turn the ball over. So what are the two things Davidson does well? They never turn the ball over, and they shoot the ball great. They they never take the first shot. They always pass until they get an open look, and they knock down shots. I think Kentucky may dominate the glass in this game, not just win the rebounding margin, but absolutely dominate it. So it scares me. If Davidson doesn't have a good shooting night and gets dominated on the glass, this one could get ugly really quick. But a team that shoots the ball that well against the team who's inconsistent in shooting, even though they've been better at Kentucky, just scares me too much. I got to pass. Three games left. Buffalo, Arizona. Arizona, the second team that would be a future book loser for the bookies, the dastardly bookies. Arizona favored by eight and a half. Obviously, a discussion about the aftermath of the alleged blah, blah, blah. And again, I think we're probably being a little generous with alleged Maddie. And not only are they one of only two teams that the book loses money to, I think this is a mission team right now, a very dangerous team. And of any team outside the top three seeds in the in the entire NCAA, this is my favorite one of all. The number four seed, I have them in the final four in my bracket. And I know a lot of people love Buffalo and for good reason, but I love Arizona in this spot. So many times we see teams fall apart with allegations, fall apart with eligibility issues, fall apart with a guy like Alonzo Trier who never passes the ball, but not this team. They came back together. Alonzo Trier got his eligibility back. Uh, Sean Miller vehemently denied all the allegations. Whether it's true or not, his players have his back right now. They are really rallied together. They dominated that Pac-12 tournament. And if there's any question in anyone's mind that DeAndre Aiden is the best player in college ball- basketball, go back and watch the Pac-12 tournament this year. DeAndre Aiden is the best player in college basketball, period. He outscored UCLA 9 nothing by himself in overtime. This guy's the best player. They're loaded at every position. They were preseason number one for a reason. They had a really bad start to the season. Alonzo Trier got suspended due to eligibility. He's back. They're fine. They're rallying together. This is a mission team. Do not step in front of the Wildcats right now. Hidden home court advantage again for Arizona. We talked about it here in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament in T-Mobile. They packed the house, the fans, and let's think about that. So you travel from Arizona to Vegas. You have a great time. You see your team play three times, kick some butt. Now they're playing in Boise. Every incentive to go out and see them do it again. I think that's worth a good point to a point and a half in hidden home court. Maddie made such a strong case. I was going from a lean on Buffalo plus nine. I am passing the game now. Well put. <laughs> so what was your main reason to lean Buffalo? Well, Buff- well, I think Arizona a little bit misleading. I know Matt- Maddie said they dominated the Pac-12 tournament. I thought it was misleading final against UCLA, a game that was tied at the end of regulation, ended sure. up winning by 11, looked like, yeah, a comfortable cover for Arizona. That was misleading. And then, you know, you look at Arizona prior to the Pac-12 tournament, hadn't covered, what, three, four games since the allegations were laid out. And the public is really on this Arizona team now. So I think they're a little bit pricey in the marketplace. That's why I was leaning Buffalo. All right, two games left. Let me give you guys a little look ahead here is sometime, and I'm going to, so Brad, no one's hardly listening. Oh, wait, a lot of people are listening. Is Thursday night, we'll do like 10 o'clock. Okay. Right here. Can you do it? Yeah. Drink a Mountain Dew? Yeah, I'll be fine. You sure? Yeah, I'm good. We're going to, so what we'll do is get this baby out overnight. I don't know if we'll be out like at 6 a.m. Friday, but, you know, come a couple even hours after that, be out. But if you're not subscribed, you're going to probably not get it soon enough. So all you do is go to your, whatever podcast player you use. And if you don't use 
any yet. It's so much more convenient. Apple has one, obviously. I like Overcast is the one I use. It's called Overcast. There's a bunch of them. Stitcher. Just search RJ Bell. Subscribe to the Dream Preview. Boom. Every time Don't Bet On It comes out, you get it. Every time Dream Preview, whenever we have an interview, and if you haven't heard the interview we did with Oscar Goodman, it's in the archive, the Vegas Truth interview. If you haven't heard the interview we did with the Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson, did you have you listened to that yet, Brad? Oh, only parts. Have not gotten through it. I will. I promise. How, I how is it so far? Oh, I loved it. Yeah? So far. Yeah, absolutely. And those guys have one of the most popular podcasts in the world, and they sat in for almost two hours with us here at the pregame.com studios. Just subscribe. And I'll tell you this. I've talked to people. They're subscribing in two different feeds because somehow these feeds deliver it at different speeds. So whatever platform you use, subscribe. It's free. And you'll be getting this baby on Friday. No, don't bet on it next week. We'll have one the week at or no, no, don't bet on it on Friday. We'll have one the next Friday. And Maddie, we're going to try to get you in. I know you can't fully commit for the sweet 16 round right here. Great contribution so far. Thank you. And your Twitter at Matthew Holt VP. Although I, I feel like Fez owes me a macho man, Randy Savage at Matthew Holt VP. Oh yeah. At Matthew Holt. VIP. Yeah. Not VIP. VP. VP is the vice president. Yeah. <laughs> Two games left. Ohio State, San Diego State. Dave Esler with his last free pick. All right. Well, this time, RJ, I, I know this might hurt you for me to say this, but I like South Dakota State over your Buckeyes. Um, the first thing that pops up to me is the games in Boise, Idaho. Um, I don't think people are going to travel from Columbus to Boise. They may, uh, but they certainly will travel from South Dakota to Boise. Clearly, South Dakota State will have a crowd thing. And the other thing that's kind of odd there is that's an odd start time. It's a 4 p.m. Eastern, so it's 2 p.m. there. That just kind of throws people off. Um, South Carolina led the nation in turnover percentage on offense, so there's not going to be extra possessions for Ohio State. And I think they're really going to draw a lot. But last year they made it, lost in the first round to Gonzaga. Uh, So they're very experienced, and this is not going to be a big deal for them. They played Wichita State. They played Kansas. Playing Ohio State's no big deal. I would grant you, RJ, that the Buckeyes are better without Thad Mata, uh, but they don't run. Uh, So for me, again, it's about matchups. Uh, I don't think the Buckeyes play anybody in the Big Ten uh, as quick as South Dakota State. You know, Minnesota and and Illinois might run, but I don't think they have the talent. Uh, I think Ohio State will score, uh, but I don't think they can stop – South Dakota State from scoring, so I think the Buckeyes could be in trouble. Yeah, I completely agree with them. I love South Dakota State. In fact, this is my favorite play on Thursday here, South Dakota State plus the 8.5 against Ohio State. Mike Dom for uh, South Dakota State, 24.5 points, 10.5 rebounds a game. This guy is a beast. They don't turn the ball over. Um, They score over 83.5 points a game. They hit all the right things for me in this game. Don't turn the ball over. They can battle Ohio State on the glass. Now, Ohio State has a lot of deficiencies here. They turn the ball over a ton. They don't grab that many offensive rebounds. Uh, I actually think this is going to be a really close game. South Dakota State has a shot to pull the upset, but either way, I think it's going to be tight, and I'm taking the 8.5 of South Dakota State. 
Yeah, I'm going to agree here. South Dakota State has a like for me, plus the points. Mike Down, you mentioned it, 24 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, shoots 40% from three-point range as a big man. The last guy to do that in college basketball, you might have heard of him, Kevin Durant. Wow. In his Texas one and only year where he led Texas uh, to the Final Four. So legitimate player, you want to get used to him, like South Dakota State. And plus, Ohio State hasn't played in two weeks, and we're not playing their best basketball this season down the stretch. I think it's the fade uh, team here in the Buckeyes. Mike Dom, 23 points per game. The dominator, if you will, for South Dakota State. <laughs> I like South Dakota State as well, and I like the over. And here's why. So often we see these mid-majors looking to muck it up, make it an ugly game when they play the big boys. Not this team. They just roll the ball out and go up and down the court. 184 points scored in their conference final against South Dakota. 162 versus Kansas. 196 Mississippi. 170 Wichita State. Now, Ohio State doesn't have some high pace numbers, but they play in the Big Ten where so many teams slow it down. I like the over in this game. Kiss stealing! Woo! Wheeling dealing! Limousine running! Jet flag! Son of a gun! (laughs) You know, we've got to figure something next year that he dyes his hair white and blonde. Yeah, he could, yeah he has to. Yeah, I mean, he, just he's got the, something where it you know it's a he either loses the bet or some lead up where he's got Ric Flair hair. Woof, woof. And he can pull off right now. You have the look not not nineteen eighties Ric Flair, but definitely nineties. Oh, that's true. When he started cutting, cutting short, yeah, you got the nineteen yeah. nineties on WCW Monday Night Nitro. You got the look right now. You dye that white. I'm telling you. Somehow, some way, we got to make it happen. <laughs> I might look more like the one man gang if I keep having this half calorie chicken wings and eat four times as much RJ. <laughs> Last game. <laughs> this is officially the longest podcast in pregame history. Appropriate, though, for more. It's the madness, baby. The Zags 13, NC Greensboro. Brett. Yeah, I'm going to lean with the under in this game here. If Greensboro does anything well, it's defense. And top 30 as far as defensive efficiency. Gonzaga, top 20 defensive efficiency. Do not want to lay points with Gonzaga. You look at the Zags, last six times they've been a double-digit chalk in the NCAA tournament. Zero covers for the Zags. So don't want to lay the points here. I think Greensboro has any chance. they got to slow it down here. Lean with the under. I'm with Brad here, and I was actually going to play the under two, but to his point, again, we have a total that's going to be probably by tip-off around 135, and yet a, a spread that's going to be 12.5-13, so I'm going to go ahead and take the underdog here. They allow less than 47.5% of opponents' effective field goal percentage. They only allow 63 points per game. Uh, they don't foul a ton. Uh, they don't. They also, you know, they don't, they rebound the basketball well, and they also don't score a ton themselves, only 72 a game. I think Gonzaga's playing better basketball, but some of it is, again, once you don't play BYU or St. Mary's in that conference, you play a lot of cupcakes at the bottom end of the West Coast Conference. I don't want to take anything away from Gonzaga and how they're playing at the end of the year, but there's a lot of uh, gimmies in the West Coast Conference. I think this game's tight, maybe in the high 50s, and I'm going to go ahead and take the big points with UNC Greensboro. I'm going to be careful and pass on the underdog just because the game's in Boise and this Gonzaga team travels with the best of them. This is going to be a huge home court advantage for the Zags. All right, guys, couple things. One, we mentioned it. We're going to have a special Friday show looking at Saturday's games with Brad and I. Also, I think straight out of Vegas, if you can't listen live, there's a show on Friday night and Saturday night that you should check out called Straight Out of Vegas. It's 11 o'clock Pacific to midnight on Friday. 10 earlier, one hour earlier, 10 to midnight Pacific on Saturday. I'll be tweeting out the full show. Commercial is out on my Twitter at RJ in Vegas Saturday morning. 
Sunday morning. That way, it'll be another preview for those Sweet 16 games, uh, or I guess round of 60, uh, 32 games. We'll be back next Tuesday recording, Wednesday release with all of the Sweet 16 and an early look at the NFL. And hey, we throw the Twitter out there, but this is a time if you're going to even follow and unfollow after at RJ in Vegas, bracket picking rules, all kind of good stuff, including those straight out of Vegas sound files. Fezzik at Fezzik Sports, F E Z Z I K. He'll let you know which buffet took away a two for one coupon <laughs> he's pissed about. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, and if you want to see Fez, a lot of people come to town. It was funny on Twitter is a guy, I retweeted this. A guy said, RJ, my wife's dream in life is to meet you. Are you anywhere around the golden nugget? And I retweeted, I said, there's been 1,167 straight guys that wanted to meet me, finally a girl. So <laughs> if you're looking to meet Fez, girl or guy, hang out around the Fiesta Buffet where you'll just randomly see Fez <laughs> with his family. <laughs> and Brad Powers, at Brad Powers 7 the college expert at pregame.com. And listen, he is dastardly. He is a bookie, but he shares a lot. Matthew Holt, VP on Twitter. And guys, we love it. If we didn't love it, we wouldn't have done almost a three-hour show. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.